And we are on air for Fan for Racing NASCAR Weekend Preview of Fontana. Uh, another big weekend on the West Coast uh, coming up this weekend. And joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. I know, uh, like you mentioned, a couple of big races there coming up at Auto Club Speedway going to talk about, as well as some other things. I know we got a little bit of a break from the trucks, but I'm sure we'll still hit on a few things from them as well. Yes, indeed. In the first half hour, though, Jay, we're going to talk about the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, they're going to have their first race of the showdown uh, coming up not this weekend, but next weekend. We'll get into that a little bit. And we'll also give a few updates from the Arkham Menard Series East and West. Both of them have their series uh, openers in the books and ready for their next race, as does the Arkham Menard Series. So uh, really anxious to talk about what's up next for the Arkham Menard Series. Then at 9 o'clock, we will give some updates from the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, not a whole lot there uh, one of them is going to lead us into a hot topic conversation, I think, during the 10 o'clock half hour. Uh, but uh, we're definitely looking forward to the trucks being back on track. They also are off for a couple of weeks, and uh, we'll look forward to having them, I think. I have to look at the schedule again, uh, but the trucks I know are off here a couple of weeks before they return. They next return at Atlanta Motor Speedway on March the 14th. Okay, then at 9.20, uh, we will get into the Xfinity Series at uh, Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, and then at same at 9.40, we'll talk about the NASCAR Cup Series at Auto Club Speedway in Fontana. So uh, that's going to be really big 90 minutes there uh, talking about all these series. At 10 o'clock, we have our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and I believe Andy will be able to join us tonight. Uh, I know he just submitted to me his Hot Topics article for this week as well, and he's got a couple of uh, big topics on there. One I know he's very passionate about, so fans can look forward to reading that. Uh, I'm going to see if I can get it out tonight. If not tonight, it will definitely be out by tomorrow morning. So with that, uh, we'll get into uh, our Arca Menard Series update. Uh, I'll tell you what, Jay, this first race, this next race that's coming up for the uh, uh, Arca Menard Series is really, really exciting because they are going to be at Phoenix Raceway. It's the General Tire 150, and this is the first time that I know of that the Arca Menard Series has gone this far west. And drivers like uh, Michael Self, who come from the west, they are really excited to see this on the schedule because uh, he hasn't raced there in a few years, but Michael's pretty good at Phoenix Raceway. So this is going to be a big deal, and it's also part of the showdown. So I've got a feeling we're going to see some people from the east, the Arkham Art Series East and West, that are also going to be at this race. Most certainly. Uh, and as you mentioned, again, for the main series, the Arkham Art Series, Michael Self having come from the West, uh, getting kind of a return towards his home area. Um, but then when you combine that as a showdown race 
both the East and the West drivers have a chance or opportunity to run with the main Arkham Menard series. You are going to see some East series drivers, but also a heavy dose, I think, of the West drivers. And the thing that I like there is when it came down to it last year when we had the head-to-head races in the Midwest, it always still kind of favored the East just based on the strength of teams. But if we're going to West Coast tracks, I think you're going to see that maybe shift just a little bit. Plus, on top of that, though, they got to contend with all the drivers running for that Arkham Menards main series. Uh, a big weekend for the Arkham Menards series all the way around. It really is. And, and we've had the showdown. Uh, I don't think we've called it the showdown before, but we've had the showdown in the Arkham Menards series before, but not to this degree. And same thing on the east and west side. We've had them have combo events before, but maybe one or two for the year. This year there's going to be ten of those kind of events uh, throughout this season. Uh, That used to be my favorite races of the year when the east meets west, and now this is the east meets west meets Arkham Art Series, and I don't think it's going to get much better than this. And it's No, most certainly. Again, and this being the first one, of of that 10 race showdown really going to set the stage for that and like you said their expansion of the Arkham Menard series itself coming that far west uh, I believe you're right on that that it is as far west as we have seen so a uh, big big day for them a uh, big race for them and I can't wait to see them on track I know this is, this is definitely going to be very exciting now, if we're talking about those 10 races, let's go ahead and tell folks what those races are. It starts this weekend. This is kind of the, the season opener for the showdown at Phoenix Raceway this weekend. Uh, next one will be in April, April 19th. Uh, another big track for the Arkham Menard Series, especially here in the East, because it's going to be the Kentuckiana Ford Dealers 200 at Salem Speedway. Then on May 29th, you've got the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, a road course. I think that's going to be fantastic. Uh, Again, that's going to be on May the 29th. Uh, Another favorite track on the uh, schedule here, Lucas Oil Raceway. Uh, A little bit of a break here between that road course race and the race at Lucas Oil because that one doesn't take place until July 3rd. So no showdown races in June. July 11th, though, is the next showdown race, which is only a week later. That's going to be at Elko Speedway. And a week later, they're going to be at Iowa Speedway on July the 17th. So three big weekends in July for the uh, showdown, and I think it's going to be exciting to have those back-to-back-to-back that way. Then you've got uh, August 2nd, the WWT Raceway at Gateway, You've got August 14th, the Great Outdoors RV Superstore at Watkins Glen, another road course on the schedule. And then uh, that's two races in August. Then September, you've got the Bush Beans 150 at Bristol Motor Speedway. And September 26th, the finale for the showdown, will be at Memphis International Speedway. So some really exciting tracks on this schedule. There certainly is. I love seeing the road courses. Uh, Memphis Speedway, that one has been building up over the past couple of years, and I know I talked to some of the people there when I was there um, that, that their intent with that of, of trying to get 
NASCAR to return there. I know they had the Xfinity and the Truck Series there for several years that my son and I got to go to. So really looking forward to see how that blossoms here with the Arkham Menard Series and what that brings in the future. Absolutely. This is this is really exciting, I think, uh, having followed uh, all of these series for the last several years. Uh, I'm really excited about this uh, Sioux Chief Showdown, 10-race showdown uh, between the Arca Menard Series and the Arca East and West Series, which used to be the Can-Am Pro Series East and West, now under the Monarca. Monarca. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, new one. <laughs> I've I've been focused on not saying Pan and Pro Series, but uh. <laughs> oh, that tickled my funny bone. I guess. Anyway, the Arca Menards Series and West. Oh dear. Okay, we're in for a roller coaster here. I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> now I've got to watch and make sure I don't say it again. Um, the Arca Menard Series East and West used to be known as the Canon Pro Series East and West. They are now part of the Arca Menard Series, and uh, it, it's going to be fun. It certainly is, and again, I think with the, this being the first one of the showdown, really going to set the stage and see what we can expect. Um, from these type of events. I know they have them on several different types of tracks, but this really just as as the race itself with the combination of all three, really going to set the stage for that. And, I, and the more, I know last year I was kind of like, ooh, I wonder how that's going to work. I'm just getting more and more excited for it as this time approaches. I am too. I am too. And now it's 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 not this weekend. I got to keep reminding myself of that. It's next weekend, and I'm really excited about uh, catching that because we can we can see those races uh, on TV. And in fact, let me look at my schedule here for the ARCA. Um, those races are all televised this year, and we'll be able to watch. That race, let me take a look here. I know I can find it. That race at ISM Raceway will be on Fox Sports 1 at 7 p.m. That's Friday night, March the 6th. So you'll, you'll want to set your DVRs if you're not going to be available at that, available at that time. Uh, but you definitely uh, want to catch this one if you can. 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Friday, March the 6th. And, of course, Jay and I will be previewing that race next Thursday night. Now, next up for the ARCA series, their regular season uh, is going to be, well, they'll be at Phoenix. But after that, it's that race. uh, They're going to be, it's the Kentuckiana Ford Dealers uh, uh, 200 at Salem Speedway. So, uh, the first next race they have that's not part of the showdown is going to be at Talladega Super Speedway, the General Tire 200 at Talladega. So the next couple of races in the Arkham Marnard Series is going to be the showdown races. And like I said, I like having a couple early on like that, kind of get a feel for how that showdown series is going to be. I know the East and the West have each had their openers going to have a racer in there as well um, prior to that. 
and kind of see the separate series as well individually. Uh, looking for some great, great things here from this Arkham and Ard series and the East and West series now under that banner this year. Yes, indeed. Um, it is going to be very, very exciting. Now, the week after that, Jay, we're going to go back to the Arkham and Ard series East. They're actually going to have a couple of races um, that are going to be uh, on their books prior to uh, going to that uh, April race. So first up on their schedule is March 14th, the Five Flag Speedways uh, for the Pensacola 200 presented by Inspectra Thermal Solutions. So I know you're looking to maybe be there for that race. I am. I know I talked to you about that, getting some media credentials. Uh, Went down and covered the main ARCA series down there last year. I uh, got to go to the Snowball Derby, at least part of it. I know we couldn't stay for the rain-delayed rain race, but watched it on pay-per-view. Five Flags Speedway, such a historic track. Um, to see the East come there, I think, is a really big thing for them, and I do hope to be there to cover that event for Fan for Racing. Yes, uh, and I will keep you posted on that, but I I don't think it's going to be a problem. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that one as well. They also have on April the 4th, they have the Zombie Auto 150 at Bristol Motor Speedway, uh, and that's going to be exciting. Both of those races will take place before that April 19th race uh, that is the um, showdown race. And I don't care if it's turtles that you put on the track at Bristol. You're talking about an exciting venue there. So uh, it doesn't matter what they run at that track. Exactly. But, you know, a lot of these uh, guys that are racing in in the ARCA East uh, have not raced on that track before. Some of them have, but there's some that have never been on that track. And this is a big deal for those drivers as well, that they get to drive on such a historic track on the circuit, uh, the the last great Coliseum. And I think uh, that's what's going to be kind of exciting here as well. And we've seen that as, again, even in the past couple of years as the, under the K&N banner, but still in partnership with NASCAR, they started going to some of these smaller half-mile, three-quarter-mile tracks that were on the NASCAR circuit, again, as this is a stepping stone to the Arkham Menard Series and then the Xfinity uh, Gander RV and Outdoor Camping World Truck Series. I threw one too many in there, sorry. The uh, Gander Outdoor (laughs) Truck Series, um, as well as the Xfinity and Cup. So, I think that was a huge step that NASCAR took in that direction in working with this tiered system so that they get at least some of that experience on these tracks where the this, the top three national series run. Absolutely. It's, it's really fantastic. Uh, I'm really loving the schedule. The more I, you know, the more we kind of watch it unfold, I get more and more excited about it. Uh, now, when we look at the ARCA West side, uh, for their next races, and we'll get back to the East here in just a minute. Uh, they will have a race at the end of March at Irwindale Speedway. That's going to be a big deal because that race at Irwindale Speedway, you've got several West drivers out there that have raced this track a lot in the uh, IR, not IRL, but the um, SRL, the Southwest Touring Series. They have raced on that track, and they've also raced on that track as part of NASCAR's 
All-American in Wheeland Series. So uh, a lot of drivers have a lot of experience on that track in the uh, Arkham and Art Series West, and I think uh, that's going to be an exciting race for that series. It certainly is, and that is one of those when it comes to any kind of West Coast driver, as well as even some na- uh, national drivers. I know Kevin Harvick has run that, uh, run that one before. The historic value and tradition involved in Irwindale Speedway, and I know there's rumors every year and uh, things to keep it open, but we still get to see it, so I'm so grateful for that. Yes. Yes, I am too. I, I, You know, for such a long time, there were so many rumors floating around that that track was going to close down, and uh, we were kind of holding our breath a few times there. But Tim Huddleston, who, by the way, happens to be Trevor Huddleston's dad, has uh, stepped in there along with other better, other people who are supporting that track and really making sure that that's uh, staying open and a viable track out there on the West Coast. Uh, very, very big deal for uh, those folks out on the West Coast who, who go to that track on a regular basis. It is, and that is, that is one I know we've unfortunately seen it before with, with some historic tracks, but that would be a great, great loss to the racing world to see that track not be open. It definitely would be, and uh, I, I just uh, am really, really uh, excited that they were able to make that happen. Okay, now I want to get back to uh, the point standings here for the Arkham Menard series, and we'll start with the main series. Uh, and right now there's a seven-point gap. Actually, it's pretty close. If I go down to the top ten here, Actually, I almost have to, let's see, there's 15 points that separate the top 10 drivers in the Arkham Menard series. Michael Self, uh, who won at Daytona, is at the top of that list, but right behind him is Haley Deegan, then followed by Drew Dollar, Sean Core, Thad Moffat are your top five. The next five are Jason White, Riley Erbst, Willie Mullins, Brett Holmes, and Scott Melton. So some new names on that list and a very, very tight points points battle. In fact, to get to 25 points, you have to go all the way down to 20th position, and it's still one by one after that. So uh, pretty exciting here in the Arkham Menard Series point standings. It is indeed, and we see some of the regular contenders, Michael Self, uh, Riley Herbst, I don't know that he's running the full season, being that he is in the Xfinity's. Brent Holmes uh, in the ninth position. I fully expect to see him move up. And again, I'm not sure if Thad Moffitt has a full-time ride, but then you got Haley Digg, a newcomer to the series, right there in second. Drew Dollar getting an opportunity to run. Uh, so it is going to be a great mixture throughout the year. And again, a couple of the regulars had a little bit of a rough start in that first race. As we get race number two and three underway, see that all sort out like we have seen in the other series as well. First couple of races, it kind of shakes out. After that, you're going to see those top contenders rise to the top. Absolutely. And and something to keep your eye on as well, we've got Jason White sitting in sixth place right now. Jason is from Canada. So that gives us a little bit of an international flair here in the Arkham Menard series as well. 
And he's one that if if people aren't fans aren't familiar with, uh, ran back in the truck series. I know he was one that when my son and I would go to to Memphis and a couple others, one of the most personable drivers you will ever meet. He was always along the fence, talking to fans, signing autographs, uh, taking pictures. So uh, it's great to see him back here with the uh, Arkham Menards East, and hopefully I know he's some in one truck series race already that maybe we get to see him a couple more times this year in all the series. Exactly. Uh, now, I do want to get into the uh, standings here, if I can, for the uh, Arkham Menard Series East before we run out of time. We do have, uh, again, just one race in the books, and for some reason it keeps bringing me back to the regular Arca Series instead of the Arca East. That's uh, good. I was hoping you were going to be able to walk me through it because I was having that same issue there with the uh, trying to pull up the points. Let me see if I have to go down here. Okay, we can't seem to pull up the standings for the Arca East, okay. but I think if you look can, at the results. There, there you go. That's where I, what close. I was able to do was pull, pull up the uh, the race results, and it shows it over on the far right. Okay, cool. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, yes, we do have, you're right, if you go further down, it does show it. Okay, so Sam Mayer, who won in both the East and the West season openers, leads the standings here. You've got Derek Griffith in second, just three points behind him. Uh, then Ty Gibbs, Nicholas Sanchez, Giovanni Bramante round out your top five. And then Stephen Nassi, Corey Heim, Parker Retzkleff. Uh, Chase Cabaret and Max McLaughlin round out your top ten there. And, again, it's just 14 points difference in that top ten. And it'll be interesting and again when we do filter these out. Combina- combination yeah. showdown events of how that splits up the East drivers uh, <laughs> once they separate back. So it definitely uh, be interesting to keep an eye on four different point standings throughout the year. Yes, it is going to be interesting, but uh, uh, they will keep that all straight. Uh, and then if we look at the West and their points, uh, let me do that real quick. Arkham Menard Series West, and we'll pull up the results there from their first race at the Las Vegas Bullring. Uh, again, Sam Mayer at the top of the list. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can maintain that for the entire season. Uh, Jesse Love, just 15 years old, probably the youngest driver, I believe, in the series. Uh, in second place, he is a rookie this year. Blaine Perkins in third. Uh, Gracie Trotter, another rookie in fourth place, followed by Trevor Huddleston. That rounds out your top five. The next five are Lawless Allen, uh, John Wood, Todd Souza. Austin Reed and Gio Skelsey, uh, another rookie. So three rookies in that top ten. And, again, uh, very tight. Uh, those are the results finish. But it follows pretty closely, uh, I believe, in the points as well. And, again, just 15 points uh, separating those drivers. Again, especially here in the, uh, the West Series, see a few more rookies because of some of the drivers that have moved on. So that kind of, uh, I want to say, doubles the interest in that series. But certainly, again, 
I know that the branding of names are made here goes to the Xfinity series, but this is where we first get to see some of those future stars as they develop. Absolutely, and uh, we've been doing that here at Fan for Racing over the years and uh, definitely enjoying uh, having that opportunity to get these to get to know these drivers uh, before they get into NASCAR's top three. Uh, and so much success from some of those drivers as well in the top three series. So uh, the, this is kind of a proving ground in the Arkham Menard series uh, for these drivers before the, as they're climbing that ladder to the top three in NASCAR. Okay, Jay, we have a few minutes here. I wanted to make sure that we gave you some time to go over our fantasy game points. And pick. All right. <laughs> Let's see. Well, I think I hit on the uh, points for. Let me find my chart. Um, the points for the all all of the series. I know I got the overall right handy here. That's good. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not quite so handy. Okay, here we go. Overall. Um, Real close at the top, I lead with 24 points. Andy's at 23. Sharon is at 20. Sam is at 16. James is at 12. And Owen coming in at 9. Right hard, strong out the gate. And let me pull up uh, our group messenger he, here. I he, believe he, we got all the six in now. Daytona. What, Owen is, is missing one of the races. He's one race behind all of us, but had a very good, strong uh, strong showing in his first race with us. He did. Uh, I know he, with the truck series, he had Kyle Busch, who uh, got the win, and then Kevin Harvick, who was the top finishing pick for us. So uh, let's see. In the Xfinity series, no, Austin, or, uh, Owen got to start and started with Austin, picked up Austin Sindrick. James followed that with Noah Gregston, and I went with Chase Briscoe. And Sam was next to pick and tried to take Briscoe, <laughs> tried to take Briscoe away That's from the right. SC. <laughs> yep. um, but uh, ended up going with Harrison Burton. Sharon, you picked up Ross Chastain, and then Andy, who picked last with that win from the previous week, took uh, Justin Algeyer. So those are going to be our Xfinity picks for the weekend. And then the Cup Series, that one I know James started with Kevin Harvick. And I think Sam got to go next there, picked up Martin Truex Jr. And i got to scroll down here. Okay, Sharon was next with uh, Blaney. Andy was Joey Logano. And then with uh, several of the Fords taken, Owen went over to Kyle Larson, and I also went with the Chevy with Chase Elliott. And the amazing thing there is Kyle Busch in the Toyota, not on the list. I know. We've we've done that a few times, not picked some people that maybe we should be thinking about. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what does happen this weekend. Uh, but the thing that it gets me is that all of those are good picks. In both the, they are, the Xfinity I mean, Series and the Cup Series. I believe it was in the Xfinity Series again this past weekend, and I'd have to go back and actually look at the full results. But I believe that with all – we had five picks because uh, Owen had five, uh, the same as James. So with five picks, I believe they were all in the 
top eight, if not the top ten. And we've had that before, even with six picks, all of them finishing in the top ten. So that's how close this battle is for us. Exactly right. Now, we've got a few people in our chat room here tonight, Jay. Uh, Mike O has come on board. Uh, we've got Mandy Pants uh, 98 and I thought I saw Cora on here as well. Um, so we've got a few people in the chat room. So I just put a, a, a list out there. Yeah, Cora H is with us as well. Uh, and I want to I want to see if they'll tell us who they're uh, choosing for this weekend. So we'll see if anybody comes well, back and lets us know. I can I can almost uh, tell you what what mom's going to pick, what Cora's going to pick there, and I think that would favor along with the one I took. Uh, as far as Amanda, uh, I gave her the choice when I was making my pick between Kyle and Chase Elliott, which is a Toyota and a Chevy. She didn't want to pick because she's a Ford girl, so I uh, expect to see a <laughs> Ford answer out of her. Oh, okay. Uh, and then Mike O, we, we want to hear from him as well as far as who he's going to pick for this weekend in both the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. So uh, we'll keep you posted if he comes back and tells us uh, what his picks are for this weekend, uh, as well as uh, Cora and uh, Mandy Pants. Hopefully uh, we will hear from them as well. All right, and I know Mike's already given us some hot topics he wants to make sure we talk about and kind of given some of his thoughts there, so we'll look forward to sharing that later on tonight as well. All right, let's uh, go ahead and get into uh, some of our updates uh, here for the truck series. Uh, Again, they are off this weekend. They are not racing uh, the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series. Uh, They will be racing the Georgia 200 at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and that will be next Saturday, March the 14th. Not this Saturday, but next Saturday. That race should take place at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Starting at 1 p.m., they will start their pre-race coverage. Radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will be racing a distance of 200.02 miles. We've got to have that 02 on there uh, for 130 laps. The first two stages will be 30 laps each. The final stage, of course, ends on the last lap. Kyle Busch is the defending winner of that race. So uh, he is racing his five races that he can race in the truck series. And uh, that's going to be, I believe, one of them on his list. It is. I believe he's got three or four in a row. And then um, I think a week off. I'd have to go back and look at that. But I know Atlanta is on the list, and we'll get to that in Hot Topics as well as Richmond. So we'll see how that plays out and get hit on that during the Hot Topics session. But we do have to wait a two-week break uh, as the West Coast Swing finishes out for the NASCAR Cup Series and Xfinity Series. The Gander RV and Outdoors mm-hmm. Truck Series will be back in action at two weeks just out outside of Atlanta, Georgia. That starts a three-race stretch for that series. The event, again, will be on Saturday, March 14th. It'll be the 19th race for the Gander Trucks at the 1.54-mile track, the first being on March 13, 2004. And Bobby Hamilton started 12th in Dodge and won that inaugural race. 
Now, Matt Crafton will make his 19th start at Atlanta, the most of any active driver in the series. Behind him is Kyle Busch, who will be back behind the wheel of that number 51 Toyota with 11 previous starts. Now, he's dominated Atlanta, winning five of the 18 races run at the track, and he's the only driver that won back-to-back races in 07 and 08 at the facility. He's also won the most recent race there last season. Only five drivers in history have won the race at Atlanta from the pole and twice won from the 18th starting position. Toyota has won the last three years and in total has eight victories. Dodge has one from the inaugural race, and Chevrolet has nine. In 2018, it was Brett Moffitt who won in Atlanta and went on to win the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoors Championship. A thing to note here is drivers that won for the first time in Atlanta Motor Speedway and won the championship in the same year. Some historic names there when it comes to the truck series. Again, mentioned Bobby Hamilton in 04. Todd Modine did it in 2006. And then recently in 2017, it was Christopher Bell and Brett Moffitt in 2018. Okay. Uh, And... You know, Atlanta is uh, such a big track and very, very fast. Uh, A lot of fans really enjoy that uh, Atlanta track. So definitely looking forward to those guys being back on track. I always miss the trucks because as far as I'm concerned, they have the best racing of the top three. And uh, I can't wait for them to get back on track. Okay, next up here we have the rookie battle. And although we're only two races into the Gander Uh, RV and Outdoor Truck Series for this season. We're going to take a look at the rookie battle as it stands right now. So Zane Smith is right now leading the rookies in sixth place. Uh, He has 58 points. And behind him is Christian Eckes. Uh, Right now he's ninth in the series point standings. Derek Krause lines up 15th in the standings. Tanner Gray is 17th. Raphael Lassard, 18th. Ty Majeski is 21st, and Spencer Davis is 24th, followed by Tate Fogelman in 25th. That is a huge rookie class that we have here in the truck series. Uh, but I think this is, we're going to see a few that are going to be the cream of the crop. Now, Smith opened up the season very strong with an 11th place finish at Daytona, and then he got a 6th place finish at Las Vegas. He's completed 100% of the laps that he's attempted and has earned an average finish of 8.5. Very impressive. As he currently leads the point standings for rookies, the number 21 GMS Racing Chevrolet that Smith drives will head to Atlanta Motor Speedway, making his debut at that track. Keep in mind, Smith is one of those West drivers that hasn't raced a lot of these East tracks just yet. So uh, that's going to be a new experience for him. Now, Eckes, who is a driver who has raced uh, the East before, not necessarily Atlanta, but uh, is from the East. Eckes hasn't had a very strong start to this season. He finished 22nd at Daytona and 23rd at Las Vegas. The driver of the number 18 Toyota was competing hard with his owner and teammate, that would be Kyle Busch, uh, during the race at Las Vegas, but he ended up suffering from penalties and being involved in an incident later on in the race. So he'll also make his debut at Atlanta in two weeks along with Smith. So 
uh, from the east but has never raced at Atlanta before. Krauss, another West Coast driver. Uh, actually, he's from Wisconsin, so maybe he he has hit some of these tracks. But Krauss has pretty mixed results so far for the 2020 season. He finished fourth at Daytona and 22nd at Las Vegas. At Las Vegas, Krauss was involved in an incident on the third lap of the race and was unable to work his way back to the front of the field. Gray had a career best finish of eighth place at Las Vegas Motor Speedway after the rookie finished 23rd at Daytona. So Gray also has never made a start at Atlanta in the truck series, but he will have some positivity from a good performance at Las Vegas on his side. Lassard, Majeski, and David, and Fogelman uh, have a rougher start to the season between them, all being involved in wrecks and penalties. So they've got a little bit of a hole to climb out of, but uh, I would not be surprised to see a couple of these drivers do it. When you think about uh, Raphael Lassard and Ty Majeski, I don't expect them to stay there uh, for the entire season. Um, so Spencer Davis, I think, is what they meant here instead of David. Um, so those drivers, uh, uh, Spencer Davis is another one. I, I just don't see them being down there for very long. I think they're going to be contending as the season goes along. I don't know that much about Tate Fogelman. How about you, Jay? Uh, no, not a name I am familiar with. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how he develops. That one is a new one to me, which, again, is one of the great things about these series, getting to see some of these new drivers that some of us aren't familiar with if they came from the West Coast or wherever they happen to come from. Exactly. And Raphael Assard actually comes from Canada. So uh, he's another Canadian that's racing here in the Sarkoman Art Series East. So, this is uh, going to be interesting to see how these rookies do, but that's a huge class as well. It is, and I think it is going to be one of the more exciting. I know we talk about this in every series, uh, but this one certainly is going to be one to watch throughout the year. Some great names coming up that we've already got some experience with and some that are unknown, so it'll definitely be worth watching throughout the season. Now, when we okay. talk about wrapping up with the uh, Las Vegas race, that's home sweet Las Vegas to some. The second race of the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series did not disappoint, and it was a happy homecoming for Kyle Busch, who has won the last three races at Las Vegas uh, he has entered. Busch is a Las Vegas native, um, dominated that race, leading 108 of the 134 laps in that number 51 Toyota. Veteran Thor Sport driver Johnny Sauter won the Cosmetic Gasket Pole Award and finished right behind Bush in second at the checkered flag. Now it's Sauter's ninth career pole and first since the 2018 Texas race. In fact, Thor Sport <clears throat> excuse me, had a pretty solid race overall in the Las Vegas desert as three of their four drivers finished in the top five. In addition to Sauter finishing second, Matt Crafton was fourth, and Ben Rhodes came home fifth. Now, Zane Smith's sixth-place finish made him the highest-finishing Sunoco rookie in the field, and Tanner Gray also had that top-ten performance, placing eighth. Again, they have a two-week uh, break here before their next stop at Atlanta Motor Speedway on Saturday, March 14th, 
that you can catch on FS1, MRN, and Sirius XM Radio. Okay, so uh, definitely looking forward, like we say, to having the uh, truck series back on track. Uh, Let's go ahead and go over the points for them as well, Jay. I'm going to try to pull that up here real quick uh, because uh, this uh, truck series is going to be, I think, an interesting result. You've got a mix of veterans, and you've got uh, some of the new guys that we've been talking about here in the truck series. But uh, the thing is, is uh, okay, interesting enough, they're showing Austin Hill is currently leading <laughs> the series points for the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series. He's in a Toyota, followed by Johnny Sauter in second in a Ford, Ben Rhodes in a Ford, Brett Moffitt leads the Bowtie Brigade with the Chevys, followed by Sheldon Creed in the Chevy, and that rounds out the top five. The next five are Zane Smith, who we were just talking about, in a Chevy in sixth place, Grant Infinger in a Ford, Christian Eckes, also just talked about as a rookie. Uh, He is eighth place, Todd Gilliland in ninth in a Ford, Christian Eckes, by the way, is in a Toyota. And Cody Rohrball rounds out the top ten in a Chevy. Uh, some interesting names in that top ten, Jay. Most certainly. Again, what, two races in here for the RV, the Ander Outdoor Truck Series. Uh, Daytona being one of them, so a little bit of a shuffle up there. We see Grant Enfinger, your winner at Daytona, in seventh. He has that race win, so that will elevate him. Kyle Busch, uh The other one who's not running for truck series points, so the win doesn't affect that as far as driver points. It can the owner point, but not for driver points. So, and don't forget, this year, the truck series has expanded their playoffs to 10 drivers. Yes. So, so these would be the drivers. uh, This is very, very early to be predicting who's (laughs) going to be the drivers in the playoffs for the truck series. But after two races, uh, it's, it's really interesting to see who is on this list in the early part of the uh, season for the Gander Outdoor Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series. Uh, the thing that I think is also interesting here, only two Toyotas on that list. You've got four Fords and you've got four Chevys, but only two Toyotas, Jay. I, that's one of the things that I think as we roll into the season – we're going to see change a lot, uh, not just some of the drivers, but the manufacturers. Uh, Toyota has been very strong. That's where they came into NASCAR, was in that truck series. So I think we're going to see that change a little bit. And, again, Kyle Busch for the driver side of it, Kyle Busch picking up that win at Las Vegas doesn't show here in the driver's point. So there is another True. Toyota that has been running strong up there. That's true, but that's just one race out of the two. Uh, but still, you're right, it, his his results would not show on here because uh, he is not running for points in this uh, in this group. So uh, where he would show up is probably in the owner standings, and you're right, Kyle Busch Motorsports, number 51 at the top of the list. <laughs> and I wouldn't expect that to change. I know last year they, they actually ended up winning the owner's championship even though they didn't have a driver battling for the driver's championship. That number 51 going to be strong all year. 
We saw Greg Biffelmaker start in it last year and get a win, so it doesn't seem to matter who they put in that truck. It's true. Uh, other drivers on this list include uh, the number 16 for Hattori Racing Enterprises. That would be Austin Hill. Uh, the number 13, Thorsport Racing. That's Johnny Sauter. The number 40 for Nice Motorsports. Uh, is that Ross Chastain? I believe that is Chastain, yes. The number 99, I know, um, I want to say that that is uh, Ben Rhodes, but I don't think it is. It is Ben Rhodes. Okay. He keeps changing his numbers, so he he keeps me confused on what number he is now. Uh, So 99 for Thorsport Racing. But right behind them uh, in 6th, 7th, and 8th are GMS Racing, so I know they're they're looking to uh, make some progress there as well, the 23, the 2, and the 21. And the strength of that team this year, the focus they're putting back on the truck series, I know they shuttled their their Xfinity Series team and made a fourth team there in the truck series. So I think we're going to see some strong results out of that team uh, throughout this year. Okay. And then if we do look at the manufacturer standings here, um, I'm going to scroll up to do that. Ford is actually at the top and only two points ahead of Toyota, and uh, Toyota is, uh, what is that, seven points ahead of Chevrolet. So nine points separating the, the three manufacturers at this stage of the game with only two races in the books. And, again, when we, we talk about this, you know, points are so important. It is early two races, and we're going to see a lot of uh, shuffling throughout this season, but still kind of interesting to watch. And, again, especially when you talk about some of these other drivers we don't normally see up there in the standings, that does mean these other teams have to chase them down. You know, so these teams are used to being the ones coming from behind trying to catch the top dogs. Seeing the top dogs have to catch up and, and pass somebody always makes it a little more interesting. Okay. Now, uh, Michael just gave us another hot topic to talk about here in the truck series. I'm not going to get into it right now, but uh, something for us to talk about going into our last half hour tonight uh, at 10 o'clock here from the truck series. Usually we're pretty focused on the uh, – uh, NASCAR Cup Series, but uh, always uh, fun when we can pull in the other series as part of our hot topics here on Fan for Racing. Uh, most certainly, and we greatly appreciate it, uh, Mike, uh, being involved and engaging with yeah. us. So we will get to that when we hit the hot topics hour. Okay, absolutely. Uh, and and anybody else who wants to uh, leave a note for us, you can do that at our chat room that's located at BAMPARACING.com. We have the player there that you can listen to the uh, episode, uh, the live broadcast, or you can listen to the podcast later. But what's nice is that if you're listening to the live broadcast, you can interact with us throughout the show, and we can mention your name here on the uh, radio as we're going through the evening uh, with your comments. So uh, we really encourage fans to hop on over to fanforacing.com, take a look at the chat room and and post your comments, sign in and post your comments, and uh, we love engaging with the fans. So uh, with that, Jay, 
real quick, we've got a couple minutes here. What are your surprises in this truck series with the two races in the books? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know that any of them are necessarily surprised. Actually, I will, I will go with one, and I had hope for it. We've seen uh, Todd Gillen currently sitting ninth in points, uh, leaving Kyle Busch Motorsports, Toyota's strong team, going over to DGR Crosley. We talked about them becoming a Ford team and working on a Ford developmental program. Uh, have mm-hmm. full belief in the strength of that team, but switching manufacturers is no easy task. Again, Todd Gillen maybe hasn't quite shown uh, his capabilities in the trucks. He had some great runs with Kyle Busch Motorsports, but we saw other drivers make the playoffs and win championships, whereas he did not. Uh, Really looking forward to see how he does in in that team this year and where they come in at, uh, because they were a strong Toyota team, uh, to see how they come out as a Ford team. Yes, indeed. Uh, and and uh, he is in the number 38 this year uh, in a Ford, which is a big change, as you mentioned, coming from Toyota uh, to Ford, but also a big change with his car number as well for fans to kind of keep an eye on him. Uh, this year in the number Ford is, is uh, Rafael Assard as part of the Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he progresses throughout the season. Uh, I expect big things from Raphael. But I'm kind of surprised to see Stuart Friesen in the number 11 spot. I expected to see him higher up in the standings uh, at this point. He's in that number 52 Toyota. But I'm sure as the season goes on, I have no doubt that we'll see Stuart Friesen climb up that list. I think so, too. And there again, we're talking about a manufacturer change as they kind of went on their own. Um, and I'm trying to think who they were partnered under last year, but they separated and they picked up that slack with Kyle Busch Motorsports becoming a Toyota team. So I think this is a very small hiccup that I think we'll see them overcome rather quickly. Yes, indeed. Uh, as far as some of the biggest uh, surprises, Chastain's not really running for the Xfinity, so he's not really eligible for the Truck Series points. Uh, Mike O is pointing out the biggest surprise in trucks for him is Natalie De- Decker completing both of the races, he says. And the other surprise is Brett Moffat not coming off as strong, uh, kind of weak uh, start for Brett Moffat as well. Both of them are a little bit interesting. Again, I think Natalie Decker just needs that right opportunity. I know her rookie season was a little rough on her, but I think we're going to see her develop very well. So, uh, And this shows it throughout to, to start the 2020 season. The Brett Moffitt, yeah. uh, again, it's tough to stay on top. Getting to the top is one thing. Staying on top, very hard. So, uh, again, I don't think it's anything to be too concerned about yet this early in the season. I will say this for Natalie Decker in that number 44. She's right now 16th in the series point standings. And I have to say, this is probably the best start of her career so far in the truck series. And uh, I think we may see uh, some more progression of her up those series point standings as the season progresses. Uh, so something to keep your eye out for, for sure. Keep in mind, right back, there's several drivers behind her, uh, Tanner Gray, Rafael Assad, 
Spencer Boyd, Ty Majeski, those guys are all great drivers, but they're behind Natalie Decker right now. So uh, she's really not off to a, that bad of a start. So it is it is a pleasant surprise indeed. Okay, it's time for us to go ahead and move on here for the Xfinity Series. Uh, they are racing the Production Alliance 300 at Auto Club Speedway this Saturday, February the 29th. There's a 29th this year uh, on uh, at 4 o'clock Eastern Time. That race will be televised on Fox Sports 1 with their pre-race coverage starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing 300 miles over 150 laps. The first two stages are 35 laps each. Of course, the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 150. Last year's race winner is not in the race this year, so we'll have a guaranteed new winner. Cole Custer was the defending winner there. All right, and with that, there's some other, I know, again, we're talking about it being real early, but you look at the playoff standings bubble following Las Vegas. Uh, we got SS Greenlights Racing. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Okay, go ahead. What are we looking at here? <laughs> okay. I was on the wrong page, so go ahead. I, okay. I thought we skipped okay. something. Uh, SS Greenlights Racing, Ray Black Jr. currently holds the hot seat in that 12 spot. Just one point up on Alex LeBay in 13th, the first spot outside of the Xfinity Series playoff cutoff, which, again, ranks at 12 drivers. So, again, right now, Ray Black Jr. sitting at 49 points, one back Alex LeBay, eight more back. I'm sorry, eight backs total from that cutoff line is Jesse Little. We talked about him a little bit uh, throughout the past couple weeks. J.J. Yaley is at 40 points, puts in nine back. Here we got some drivers we're going to see move up. Riley Herbst, he's at 37 points, 12 back. Josh Williams having a phenomenal start to his season. 35 points is 14 back. 18th is Robbie Lyons, the second, is 15 back. Chad Fincham, 16 back. Vinny Miller, 17, and David Starr, 17 back. So that carries you through the top 21 because there's a tie in points there. But you heard it, one point each spot, and that is key as we get into the latter part of the season. Yes, indeed. It's going to be huge. Uh, And I do think that uh, uh, we are going to see a lot of shuffling in that group of drivers. Uh, And you're going to see people coming and going in that group. And I, I think it's going to be exciting to watch not just the people at the top of the list, but these people that are mid-pack are really racing for their sponsors and to keep their rides as well. So uh, don't think it's all happening at the top of the list. Uh, there's a lot of action happening uh, all the way through the field here. Okay. Uh, there also, cert- certainly um, is. Go ahead. I was just agreeing okay. with you. There certainly is, and we're going to see that shuffle all throughout the season. Okay. Now, just some uh, other points here with regard to that same list. Uh, after just two races, six drivers had completed all 320 laps, scheduled laps, uh, and that includes Harrison Burton, Brandon Jones, Noah Gregson, Brandon Brown, and Chase Briscoe along with Ryan Sieg. So uh, pretty cool to see that happening. 
Jay? Sorry, I got tangled up there. It is, and, and you see, again, you're going to see the, the cream rise to the top. Those names, two of them race winners already, Harrison Burton, two top fives in his rookie year to start the season. Expect to see a lot of that throughout the season. Now, being out front early, yeah. just as impor- important as three drivers have double-digit laps led percentages after just those two races in the Xfinity Series. Again, that's 320 total laps run. Chase Briscoe has led 94, which is 29.38%. Justin Algar has 86 laps at 26.88. And Austin Sindrick, 39 laps, which is 12.19% of the laps. And those are the three from last year that finished behind the big three. A lot of talk about them being the big three uh, this season. And their stats are already backing that up. Absolutely. Now, some quick improvements here. Seven of the top ten finishers at Las Vegas posted their best finish of the season. (laughs) Two races, but still their best finish. Chase Briscoe, of course, was the winner. Austin Sindrick finished second. Ryan Sieg, a great finish for Ryan Sieg in third place. Michael Lynette, seventh. Justin Algauer, eighth. Riley Erbst, one of the rookies this year, in ninth place, and Ross Chastain finishing in tenth. All having better races than their Daytona race. And again, we're going to see that as the season continues. You take Daytona out of the equation, um, you're going to see a lot of these teams showing that kind of consistency. But speaking of Ross Chastain, he's going to continue with that double duty. He's racing for college racing in the Xfinity Series in the Production Alliance Group 300 on Saturday in that number 10 Chevrolet. Then on Sunday, he will compete in the Cup Series race, the Auto Club 400, for Roush Fenway Racing in the number 6 Ford, filling in again once again for Ryan Newman as he recuperates following that hard crash at the Daytona season opener. Okay. Uh, also, uh, we've got a driver that we have seen in one car going to a new car. Uh, Myatt Snyder is making his debut in the Xfinity Series with RSS Racing. After completing the first two races of the season with Richard Childress Racing, Myatt Snyder, uh, the son of the TV analyst Marty Snyder, is attempting to make his first series start with RSS Racing this weekend at Auto Club Speedway. Now, Snyder is currently 23rd in the Xfinity Series driver standings, and this weekend will be Snyder's series track debut at Auto Club Speedway as well. I'm certainly looking for that. And another one making their season debut, Anthony Alfredo, and that'll be with RCR. He's had to wait two long weeks, uh, but Ridgefield, Connecticut's Anthony Alfredo is getting ready to make his NASCAR Xfinity Series season debut with Richard Childress Racing. He's splitting that time with Myatt Snyder, who just talked about moving over to RSS Racing, uh, but this will be the number 21 Chevrolet as those two drivers work with crew chief Andy Street in 2020. Alfredo will be making his series track debut as well this weekend at Auto Club Speedway. Okay, so a lot to look forward to there. We were just talking about Ryan Sieg uh, and how well he did with that third-place finish at Las Vegas. He's certainly heading in the right direction. 
Starting last season, RSS Racing began its alliance with Richard Childress Racing, and that partnership is already bearing fruit. Ryan Sieg made the playoffs in 2019. He finished the season 11th in points. Now with just two races in the 2020 season, Sieg is again running up front and having his career best start in the NASCAR Xfinity Series season. Uh, He's right now 7th in the Series point standings. He kicked off the 2020 season with a top 10 finish in 9th place at Daytona International Speedway and then followed it up last week with that 3rd place finish at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, which was a series career best finish on the 1.5-mile tracks for the Georgia native. Now, looking for Auto Club Speedway this weekend, Sieg has made six starts at that track, and he posted an average finish of 20.5. He posted his series best finish of 11th at Auto Club Speedway last season. I expect that Ryan Sieg is going to have a better finish than that this season. Well, I'm talking about having better finishes. We've already seen, we've talked about the shuffling. There were some big moves in the Xfinity Series point standings following Vegas. Uh, After some tough starts to the 2020 championship campaigns, several drivers made big improvements in those driver standings, and that includes Riley Herbst, Austin Sindrick, and the mentioned Ross Chastain. Joe Gibbs Racing, his rookie, Riley Herbst, made the biggest jump of those three title contenders last weekend, leaping 14 spots from 30th to 16th. The big gain was due to his ninth-place performance at Las Vegas. Now, Herbst's uphill climb could get a little steeper this weekend, though, as he'll be making a series track debut at Auto Club Speedway. The next biggest mover in the points this past weekend was Team Penske's Austin Sindrick, who jumped 10 spots following his runner-up finish at Las Vegas. After Daytona, Sindrick was 16th, but now sits 6 in points, only 17 markers behind the series lead. Expect Sindrick's standing ascension to continue this weekend at Auto Club Speedway as the 21-year-old native from Mooresville, North Carolina, has two starts at the two-mile facility, posting a career-best finish of six last season. And lastly, college racing is Ross Chastain. He catapulted nine spots in the standings from 20th to 11th following his 10th place finish uh, this past weekend. His slow start at Daytona was 22nd, put him behind the eight ball, but the eighth-generation Florida watermelon farmer is chipping away at his competitor's points lead. This weekend at Auto Club Speedway might be a challenge for Chastain. He's made five series starts at the Speedway, posting an average finish of 20.2. He scored his career-best finish in Fontana in 2018 of 10th, but I think we're going to see improvement on those numbers as well. Okay. Uh, We'll give a rookie update here. I just asked our chat room uh, folks uh, who their favorite rookie is. There's four rookies this season with Harrison Burton, Jesse Little, Riley Erbst, and Joe Graff Jr. Uh, Two weeks into the season, Joe Gibbs Racing Harrison Burton holds the largest lead in the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings after posting two top five finishes in as many races. Burton, 19 from Huntersville, North Carolina, is currently third in the Xfinity Series driver standings. He's just 12 points back from Chase Briscoe in the Series points lead. As a result, Burton has a command of the 2020 Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings, 39 points up 
on second place Jesse Little. All four 2020 Sunoco Rookie contenders will be making their Xfinity Series track debuts at Auto Club Speedway this weekend. I just got a response. Let's see. Harrison Burton is going to be tough to beat, uh, said Jay. So I agree with you, Jay. He is going to be tough to beat in this series. Well, and again, okay, what a Mike's class. Mike's going to dispute that, though. He's not. He's Uh-oh. going to dispute that. I'm not ready. He says I'm not ready to call Harrison Burton the next big thing, but I think he has a reasonable talent and is in some of the best equipment in the series. Good combo for success, which is true. So I guess he is acknowledging that Harrison uh, is uh, the rookie favorite. Yeah, uh, Riley, and I think it's going to be his teammate, if not Riley Herbst. Uh, definitely going to be a battle. Teammate battle, always interesting. Uh, one, last year's rookie, Noah Gregson, though, off his, to a notable start here in 2020, and it isn't slowing. Despite slipping one spot in the driver's standing the, uh, following Las Vegas, junior motorsports Noah Gregson having an impressive start to this season. The 21-year-old is one of three, just three drivers, and that includes Chase Briscoe and Harris Burton, to finish in the top five in the first two races of the year. Now, the Las Vegas native is just seven points behind standing's lead as he turns his attention to Auto Club Speedway this weekend. He made his serious track debut at Auto Club last season where he started fifth and finished 12th. Uh, I look for big things from this junior motorsports team this year with the maturity of Noah Gregson. Yeah, I I think we're seeing a different Noah Gregson than we've seen in the past. Uh, he seems to be a little looser, a little more relaxed, a little more in, into himself, if you will, feeling comfortable in his own skin, if you will. And so I think Noah Gregson uh, is, uh, I think he is going to have a really great season this year. Next up is Chase Briscoe with Stuart Haas Racing. He's going to have a great year. He's the second to punch his ticket into the playoffs this season with his win last weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. He's also the latest driver. uh, Well, we already said that, but it's even more impressive as in the process he grabbed the series standings lead for the first time of his career. He's up seven points over second place Noah Gregson. Those are the only two drivers to have punched their tickets uh, this year into the playoffs. Briscoe is a serious title contender this season with a win and two top fives to start off this season. There's uh, definitely some win in Briscoe's sales. Now, this weekend at Auto Club Speedway could be another successful outing for the 25-year-old from Mitchell, Indiana. In his series track debut last season at the 1.5-mile Speedway, actually, he started sixth and finished fifth. Auto Club Speedway is actually a two-mile track, so that's a little bit of a misnomer there. But uh, I look for Chase Briscoe to have a standout season this year. Oh, most certainly. And the last part we got here as we look at Auto Club Speedway is a wild season opener at Daytona and a rain-delayed contest in Las Vegas, if you can believe that. But they now gear up for that Production Alliance Group 300 at Auto Club uh, Speedway in Fontana, California. That speedway has hosted 30 NASCAR Xfinity Series races from 1997 to 2019, producing 19 different pole winners and 17 different race winners. 
Back in 1997, as Dale Earnhardt Incorporated driver Steve Park won the inaugural pole in the Xfinity Series race with a speed of 175.157. Todd Bodine took home the first win at the track in the Xfinity Series, that time driving for car owner Scott Welliver. Now, currently, Team Penske's Joey Logano owns the record for most Xfinity poles at the Speedway with four, coming in at 09, 10, 12, and 17, whereas it's Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch with the most Xfinity wins, if you can believe that, at Auto Club. He's got six victories, <laughs> the fall of 08, spring of 09, a 2010 sweep, and then the spring races in 2011 and 2013. But this weekend, we're again guaranteed to crown a first-time pole winner and race winner as none of the former winners are entered into Saturday's event, and I like that. (laughs) Okay. Now, I do know that for the Xfinity Series, Michael has told us that he is picking Chastain, I believe. Uh, Let's see here. i got to go back up. I like Chastain again. My concern with him is he has zero friends uh, with the way he's been racing, I don't think he'll be cut. He'll be cut the breaks that some of the other drivers might get. Uh, I think Ross Chastain will overcome that, though. But uh, I do think he's a good pick since I also picked Ross Chastain for this weekend in the Xfinity Series. It's tough to go okay. against him, and we've seen. We're going to talk about Iron Man, seeing him race everything he can, doing the double duty in one day. Just absolutely impressive for Ross Chastain. Exactly. A couple of other comments here. I I won't be able to do all of them, Uh, but uh, he brings up uh, Gregson and Myatt Snyder had a little bit of a run-in last week at Las Vegas, so that might be festering. We don't know. I know Gregson tried to talk to him. And also, Briscoe looks like he's going to be a slow burn like Custer, uh, and we'll have to wait and see what happens there uh, if uh, Briscoe is going to fall into uh, Custer's footsteps uh, with a good season this year. Okay, it is time for us now to move on to the Cup Series, and they also are racing at Auto Club Speedway this weekend at Fontana. The Auto Club 400 will be Sunday, March the 1st at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be televised on Fox, and their pre-race coverage will begin at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The radio coverage is on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will be racing a distance of 400 miles over 200 laps, and the first two stages are 60 laps each. Last year's race winner, you're right, Jay, None of us picked him, Kyle Busch. We'll have to see if that comes back to uh, to bite us. Uh, one thing to mention here as we head into Auto Club Speedway, there's several NASCAR drivers. We've talked about this. The NASCAR community really coming together. They're gonna drivers are honoring Kobe Bryant. Three cars and one additional driver in Sunday's Auto Club 400. Uh, field will carry tribute to the late Los Angeles Lakers Kobe Bryant, who, along with his daughter and seven other members, or seven others, were killed in a helicopter accident back on January 26th in California. Uh, Cup Series Championship leader Ryan Blaney's number 12 Team Penske Ford will be colored in the Lakers purple and gold. Blaney and Bryant met as part of a sponsorship function for Body Armor Drinks, 
and Blaney gifted the basketball great a driver's suit. Uh, he's got a photo of that of the two of them up on his Twitter account. Uh, Blaney's car will carry Bryant's number 24 and his daughter Giovanni's, Gianni's uh, basketball number two on the car as well as a logo for MambaOn3.org, a fundraising charity that was set up by Brian's widow, Vanessa, to support the families of the seven others who were per- who perished in the aviation accident as well that day. Now, joining Blaney in the Bryant tribute, it'll be uh, Hendrick Motorsports' William, Bry- William Byron, who drives the number 24 Chevrolet, and Richard Childress Racing's Tyler Reddick, who drives the number 8 uh, Chevrolet. Bryant's jersey number was 8 and then 24 during his Hall of Fame playing career with the Lakers. Byron Chevrolet will be painted again in Lakers purple and gold. The Hendrick Motorsports team released an image of the car uh, saying they're honored to be driving for Kobe, Gianna, Peyton, Sarah, Alyssa, Cherry, John, Christina, continued prayers for those families. Those were the ones that uh, were also on the helicopter. Now, Reddick, who comes from Corning, California, he's going to carry a decal on the number eight Chevrolet that shows the number eight next to Brian's name. And the other one involved there, Daniel Suarez. He's going to be sporting shoes and gloves in the well-known purple and gold, as well as the numbers eight and 24. And he'll be auctioning off the attire in an online auction, again, to benefit the Mamba on three fund once the race is over. So some great tributes to Kobe Bryant. Yes, uh, very, very sad uh, when that happened. And, and you know, Kobe and Gianna get uh, a lot of uh, attention for that, but uh, there were so many others that were involved in that accident. Uh, and uh, I, I really salute them for recognizing the other people uh, that were involved. And we do have continued prayers for their family, and I'm, I so support this uh fund that they put together, the Mamba on Three Fund, to support all of those families because this is just really a devastating thing that's happened. And uh, kudos to these drivers uh, for calling attention to uh, Kobe Bryant this weekend and Gianna. Okay, next up we're going to again look at the uh, Sunoco rookie uh, group here. now, the second-generation NASCAR standout, John Hunter Nemechek, continues to lead a very crowded and talented Rookie of the Year class. The driver of the number 38 front-row motorsports Ford was the top-finishing rookie, 11th place in the Daytona 500, and he answered with a 24th place uh, last Sunday at Las Vegas. Right now, he's 18th in points, 46 behind Ryan Blaney, and the only 2020 Sunoco rookie contender currently in the top 20 in the NASCAR Cup Series driver's standings. Just 10 points behind Nimacek in second place, though, in the rookie standings is Brennan Poole. He's currently 25th in the series driver's standings. Poole wheeled the number 15 premium motorsports Chevrolet to a 16th place finish at Daytona and followed that up with a 29th place finish at Vegas. The Californian, Tyler Reddick, a two-time Xfinity Series champion, was third best among those first-year drivers. The driver of the number eight for Richard Childress Racing Chevrolet answered a 28th place finish at Daytona with a rookie class best 18th place showing at Las Vegas. 
He's marked 26th in the series point standings. Another California native is Stuart Haas Racing's Cole Custer. He's ranked 28th in the championship standings with finishes of 38th at Daytona and 19th in Vegas. He is the only member of this talented rookie contingent with a previous National Series win at Auto Club Speedway, earning the Xfinity Series race trophy just last year. Now, Christopher Bell, the driver of the number 95 for Levine Family Racing Toyota, is the winningest Xfinity Series driver in each of the past two years. He's hoping to get his inaugural NASCAR Cup Series season heading in the right direction this week after finishes of 21st at Daytona and a 33rd place at Las Vegas. He's ranked 31st in the series driver standings. Quinn Huff, driver of the number 32 for Starcom Racing Chevrolet, is last when it comes to the rookie standings, but he's ranked 35th in the series driver standings with finishes of 39th at Daytona and a 37th at Las Vegas. All six rookies in this rookie class are making their series track debuts this weekend at Las Vegas. And that's going to be big because uh, none of them have raced on this track before. Well, Custer, I have to take that back. Custer has raced on it, but not in this series. So uh, that is uh, going to be interesting. Uh, Mike says that uh, this rookie battle in the Cup Series, or you said that, uh, what was expected. And he said, uh, Michael says he didn't really think anybody would uh, light the world on fire, but it is only surprises the confidence of John Hunter Nemechek and uh, what we're seeing from him this season. Uh, I'm really interested to seeing how this is going to play off for the whole season, uh, this rookie battle. So, uh, we'll have to kind of stay tuned to see what continues to happen. But I think as the season goes on, we will see some shifting there. And this is a big jump, Jay, for these guys to jump from the uh, Xfinity Series to the uh, Cup Series. It certainly is. And I think you're right. As as we get five, six races, every type of track under our belt, we're going to see which of them have and ha- handle on the Cup Series car and the uh, this level. So, see how that shifts, but there's some new names that are also bubbling to the top of the series standings. There's a number of new names topping the NASCAR series standings heading into this, the third race of the season at Auto Club. 16 different drivers have earned a top 10 finish to date, and only Kevin Harvick and Kyle Larson have scored top 10s in the opening two races. Now, for several drivers, this is a career best to the start of their season. You got Roush Fenway Racing's Chris Busher, for example, was third in the season opening Daytona 500 and 14th at Las Vegas, resulting in an eighth place finish, eighth place position in the Cup Series points, his highest ever after two races. Similarly, Ricky Stenhouse, who won the pole position for the Daytona 500, finished 20 in the in the race, but also finished third at Las Vegas last Sunday. He earns a fifth-place ranking in the standings, only 19 points behind championship leader Ryan Blaney. Another one is Bubba Wallace, driver of that famed number 43 Richard Petty Motorsports Chevrolet. He's ranked 12th thanks to runs of 15th at Daytona and 6th at Las Vegas. This is his highest points ever after two races as well. Then you got Austin Dillon, 
It was Richard Childress Racing Team will mark its 3,000th start this weekend at Auto Club Speedway. He's ranked seventh in the standings, 22 points off leader Ryan Blaney. It's the best the former Daytona previous. It's the best the former Daytona 500 winner has ever been ranked after two races, and that's due to a 12th place finish in the 500, followed by a fourth place effort uh, last weekend. And he is the defending pole winner for Auto Club, finished 10th in last year's race. Now, another name getting a lot of attention this week is Sunday's Las Vegas runner-up, Matt DiBenedetto. I know Mike's going to start chiming in here. The California native (laughs) equaled his career-best finish at Vegas, and the driver that famed number 21 Bird Brothers Racing Ford is tied with fellow Californian Jimmy Johnson and Daytona 500 winner Denny Hamlin for ninth spot in the series standing. That's a career best mark for Di Benedetto. So some uh, new names at the top. We'd like to see it, see how it plays out as we get to this third race and on into the season. All right. Uh, and it is going to be interesting. Now, uh, Mike O is chiming in here again. I asked, will Christopher Bell get his season turned around at Auto Club Speedway? And he gave me a no. The team struggled at non-plate tracks. One mile all season last year. Combine that with a rookie driver. It's a recipe for another disappointing weekend. Uh, so will be interesting to see what happens at Auto Club Speedway this weekend. Uh, but what about Matty D? Will Matty D come up with a, another P2? I think we're going to see okay. some strong, strong runs from that team this year. Yes. <laughs> uh I think there are going to be some uh, strong teams there, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, he if he is able to back that up. Okay, now you just did. I lost my place here. Okay, Logano wants to keep up his winning ways this weekend at uh, Auto Club Speedway. He's been good at that track, I know, in the past. Uh, we'll have to see if. Uh, if uh, he uh, continues to his winning ways. He's wasted no time in establishing himself, though, as the 2020 front runner after winning last Sunday's race at Las Vegas and climbing to within three points of the NASCAR Cup Series point standings behind leader Ryan Blaney, uh, who happens to be his Team Penske teammate. Uh, It sure is a positive sign for the three-car Penske group with swap driver and crew chief pairings this last season during the off-season. So this week's Auto Club 400 at Auto Club Speedway presents a very real Sunday challenge for the 2008 Cup Series champion. He has three Xfinity Series victories there, but right now he's winless in 13 Cup Series starts at Auto Club Speedway. In fact, his 57 career laps led at that track is the second lowest laps led total next to Dover International Speedway, where he's only led 26 laps. Among the tracks that the series races in during the first half of this season. Now, although Logano hasn't spent much time out front, he has earned encouraging results as of late. The driver of the number two team, Penske Ford, has six top 10 finishes in his last seven races, and four top five finishes in his last four races. His best finish was last year uh, when he finished second 
to Kyle Busch. So uh, will Logano be able to pull it, make it two in a row? He says he thinks he can do it. Well, they are racing in California, so Joey Logano coming from Connecticut got to battle those California drivers. As this week, there's six natives from the state. Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson, Matt DiBenedetto, Jimmy John, Tyler Reddick, and Cole Custer, all in the field for the Auto Club 400. And this is up. There's always been a distinctive home state vibe at the track located in Fontana, California. It's about an hour east, due east of Los Angeles. Three of these drivers, Baker Fields, uh, Kevin Harvick, Elk Groves, uh, Kyle Larson, and Al Cajon's Jimmy Johnson have won the race. Johnson's six victories is the most all-time, and Custer of Ladero Ranch is the defending winner of the NASCAR Xfinity Series race. And Johnson, who is in a three-way tie for ninth in the driver standings that we talked about, is the top-rated driver at Auto Club Speedway, besting his competitors in driver rating at 114.0, average running position 7.271, laps in the top 15 at 88.3%, laps led at 880, and fastest laps run at 533. Now, perhaps uh, NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon who is uh, from Valio, California, set the tone in winning the first ever race at the track back in 1997. In the first 10 events, only twice was the race winner from somewhere east of the Mississippi River. Now, in the Speedway's 30-year history, 21 race winners have come from towns west of the Mississippi, including the track's three most successful drivers, Jimmy, six-time winner Jimmy Johnson, four-time winner Kyle Busch out of Las Vegas, and then again the previous mentioned three-time winner, Jeff Gordon. Two of the last four races have been won by Californians, and that's Jimmy Johnson in 16 and Larson in 17. So we got our picks in already, but I don't know if we took that uh, home state factor into consideration. And you never know. This could be where Johnson kind of breaks through with a victory. He hasn't had one in a while, so it'll be interesting. Uh, now, Mike says uh, an interesting stat. I'm, I don't know. I haven't researched this, so keep that in mind. But he says that Jimmy Johnson has completed every lap attempted at Auto Club Speedway in his career, every single lap, finished on the lead lap, every race his whole career, and he will, he's going to be on his fantasy team for this weekend at Auto Club Speedway. Next up, we're going to talk about Blaney. Uh, he filches uh, the Cup Series points lead. For the first time in his young career, 26-year-old Ryan Blaney is the NASCAR Cup Series driver point standings leader. He pilots the number 12 Team Penske Ford, and he answered his runner-up finish in the season-opening Daytona 500 with an 11th-place run at Las Vegas on Sunday and now holds a three-point edge over his teammate. And Las Vegas winner Joey Logano heading into Sunday's Auto Club 400. Now Blaney had a chance to win both heads to Auto Club Speedway, feeling as motivated as ever to turn a good season start into a race winner's trophy. He has three top ten finishes in four previous starts at the California track. His best showing was a fifth place, and that came in his trip there in last season when he led a pair of laps as well. 
Now, this weekend, Blaney's number 12 Ford will be one of three cars to carry that special Kobe Bryant tribute in its paint scheme. And his car is honoring all the victims of the helicopter accident that claimed the NBA star Bryant's life. Blaney met the retired Los Angeles Lakers star and even gave Bryant a racing suit as part of his body armor sponsorship deal, posting photos of the two on social media. This week, Blaney also reviewed, revealed the look of his Auto Club Speedway car, uh, done in the Los Angeles Lakers purple and gold colors. The car will carry the numbers 24 and 2 in homage to Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, who was also on board the helicopter, as well as a sticker honoring the Mama on 3 org charity organization designed to raise money for the other seven victims of the accident. Now, Blaney plans to donate sales of the special merchandising to the MambaOn3.org organization as well. So um, that's a, a pretty big deal. Blaney was my pick for this week at Auto Club Speedway, uh, and I think this could be a breakthrough week for him. Uh, it certainly could be, and the one that nobody picked, and that's Kyle Busch, as he looks to get back on track. The reigning Cup Series champion shows up at Auto Club Speedway, uh, not only as the defending race winner, but also competitor looking to get back on track early in the 2020 season. He's still looking for his first top 10 finish of the season, currently ranked 27th in the Cup Series standings after two races. He finished 34th with an engine issue in the season opening Daytona 500 and was 15th last weekend at Las Vegas Speedway with only 14 laps out front to date, all of them being at Daytona. A California race, however, may be exactly what he needs to reset his season and sights on becoming the first back-to-back champion since Hendrick Motorsports' Jimmy Johnson won a record five straight from 2006 to 2010. All that starts with winning a race, however. The driver of the number 18, Joe Gibbs, racing Toyota, certainly a strong favorite on this weekend's two-miler outside of Los Angeles, where he does have four career wins. In just the last eight years, he's won three times in 13, 14, and 19. He was runner-up in 2012 and has earned a pair of third-place finishes in 2011 and 18. He has seven top ten finishes in that eight-year span, all ta- or and tallied nearly 70% of his career laps led at this track of 564 of 807 laps. Now, last year's uh, win was significant and historical. His 200th among the three NASCAR National Series, the Cup Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Gander out- RV and Outdoor Truck Series. And this track contributed mightily to that big total, considering Bush has a record six Xfinity Series wins and two Gander truck wins, in addition to his four cup win- or trophies from Auto Club Speedway. So this West Coast swing, as this three-race journey at Las Vegas, Auto Club Speedway, and Phoenix Raceway is referred to, has typically been dependable trophy hall for the Las Vegas native. He's ranked second only to six-time race winner Jimmy Johnson in that driver rating, Uh, 114.0, average running position, 8.144, and laps led of 807. And perhaps, if nothing else, this venue remains a sentimental favorite for Bush because he scored the first of his 56 
NASCAR Cup Series wins there, and that was back in 2005. So we might see some of us making some changes prior to the weekend, huh, Sharon? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Uh, I, I don't know if I will, though. I think I'm pretty firm on Blaney for this weekend. But uh, I do want to say that uh, Mike O is taking Kyle Larson this weekend. Uh, he's really good on – a lot of people he thinks uh, forget just how good Kyle Larson is on the two-mile track tracks that include Auto Club in Michigan. The 42 had a bit of an off year the past two years, but with speed coming back to the 42, don't sleep on him this weekend. So uh, some good points there about uh, Kyle Larson if you're looking at your fantasy picks uh, for this weekend. We are past the top of the hour. I know Andy is here, and we are ready for Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, We've got a lot of hot topics to talk about. And, uh, Andy, I've already brought up that you've uh, submitted your Hot Topic article for this week, so fans will be able to uh, check that out, uh, if not tonight, then early tomorrow morning, and uh, you gave your thoughts on the penalties as well as the bounty. <laughs> I certainly did, yeah. I think that uh, it'll be worth taking a taking a look at that for sure. First off, um, you know, thanks for having me on once again. Always fun. Sorry I had to miss Monday, but glad to be here tonight, certainly. And, uh, yeah, obviously the penalties, you know, once again are, are a topic. It seems like it's an every-year thing, and it seems like it's a – always early in the year, you know, that we're talking about this. And I think that, you know, you kind of start to get tired of that. So obviously my opinion on that has been uh, putting down in written form. And uh, obviously the, uh, the bounty on uh, Kyle Bush, if you will, uh, a friendly one from Kevin Harvick and Mark Marcus Lamonis from camping world. That's certainly something that I'm actually pretty excited about. Um, and I kind of touched on that a bit. So, um, yeah, definitely touched on both of those topics and um, obviously uh, worth a, worth a read. Okay. And real, real quick, just mention as it relates to that bounty, uh, both Kyle Larson for Homestead and Chase Elliott for Atlanta have accepted that challenge, and uh, they they are planning to race the Truck Series races those weekends. And I know one of the points that Mike O brought up about that is that uh, with Chase Elliott, he's bringing the Hooters brand with him to the Truck Series. So that's kind of cool because that's an old brand that we've seen uh, in the uh, in NASCAR. So it'll be cool to see that uh, on his truck at Atlanta as well. Yeah, so I, I had read that Chase is going to run Atlanta with a GMS entry. Who is uh, Larson driving for at Homestead? Has he said, Jay? I I truthfully had not heard about Larson's deal. I knew the Chase Elliott deal was uh, happening, and I like these guys are picking tracks where they're good at. Uh, Chase Elliott being from the uh, Georgia area. Um, is the only one I had actually seen confirmed. So this Larson one new, is new to me, but I also heard Denny Hamlin talking about Richmond. Well, all uh-huh. I can say is with, with Larson running the truck at Homestead, you might as well just hand him the check now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're saying GMS. He's going to race with GMS. Mike O chimed in with that. So, yeah, that's going to be fun to watch for sure to see these guys come down. I I, kind of mentioned this last week. I know, Andy, you weren't here, but my only concern is that uh, 
uh, and Jay, you can chime in here, is that um, I I think it's taken away uh, a chance for one of these truck regular guys to win that uh, 100000 I'd really like to see one of the regular guys win it. It, it would be. I know that uh, Harvick put it on the Cup Series, and I know there's been some debate about that. The fans are kind of excited about it. And I think it was Dave Moody, uh, maybe, that put it out. I don't remember for sure, but it came up of you're not happy because Kyle Busch, a Cup Series driver, is down there winning, but you want another Cup driver to come down there to beat him. So, again, talk about being <laughs> fickle as fans as far as what they want and what they get. You know, that's kind of what what uh, bothers me. Um, as far as the the competition of it, I know Kyle, Kyle Busch addressed that in his, in his media session about it. You know, he said, hey, you want to do it, bring it on, but you got to beat me, not wreck me. And I think that's the most important thing to keep focused on here. That's a good and point. And I think with, you know, I think that, you know, with, with Chase Elliott and, and uh, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin obviously being a teammate, that would be the intent. So hopefully we don't see anything like that. But I do think it would have been a little bit more beneficial to have it come from within the series. Uh, for a series regular, because, again, they're still going to be focused on their own championship, so obviously they don't want to wreck themselves or cause any harm to their championship hopes, but it would give a bonus to them. So uh, I think it would have been maybe a little bit better to try and do it for the truck series regular drivers. Okay, and, Andy, I know um, you don't want to say a whole lot because you gave your thoughts on your article for tomorrow, uh, but one point that Mike kind of brings up here is that uh, it's going to bring a whole lot more eyes to that race because fans are excited to see what is going to happen in that race. Uh, and uh, uh, it's going to be – it is indeed going to bring a lot more fans to the truck series uh, just to see what happens and if anybody can beat Kyle Busch. Yeah, see, that, that's 100% right, and that's certainly something that I did touch on um, it does bring more interest in in in, in the sense that um, if you can get uh, other Cup Series drivers in the field, um, you know you, you bring more fans in, you know because you're going to see people that will tune in that are Chase Elliott fans, Kyle Larson fans, Denny Hamlin fans that are going to tune in to see Kyle Busch beat hopefully, and I can say that. As while there's a lot of people that tune into those races and go to those races to see Kyle Busch win, there's even more that tune in to watch him not win. So, um, you know, there will be a lot of interest in seeing uh, seeing if someone can can take him down, if you will. I, I mean, it to me, it's it's a pure marketing genius if you think about it in terms of exposure for the series. And it's interesting that we're we're seeing a situation where we're trying to gain maybe more interest in the cup, in the truck series rather, and in, in trying to promote cup series drivers running in it, because the complaint as Jay has kind of already touched on the complaint, you know, in recent years was having, you know, an, an excess amount of cup series drivers in these lower divisions that take away from the series regulars ability to go out there and win. But we've really seen a, you know, significant drop off in cup participation in both the truck and Xfinity series lately. And I think maybe, you know, you're starting to see some of that interest generated to bring some cup drivers back, you know, and I think it's good in moderation. Um, you know, I've certainly been a recipient of seeing my favorite cup series driver win Xfinity races in the past. And, 
you know, it's fun to see that, you know, but obviously in moderation, you want to see the, the series regulars, you know, have their time in the spotlight, win races, contend for championships and have an opportunity to advance their career, you know, but I think this is just a fun way. This is just a fun thing that we're only going to see in a few races this year. I don't think it's going to detract from, you know, the full-time series drivers obtaining wins. And it's certainly not going to detract from, you know, the playoffs later in the year. So it's just for a few races in the spring. I think it, if anything, it just generates more interest. It's going to bring some more fans in for those races. So definitely not a bad thing. I think it's fun more than anything else, just to see how it goes. And it'll be, you know, it'll be cool. I mean, you know, let's face it. Chase Elliott is NASCAR's most popular driver and, and to have him jump in a truck at uh, his home track in Atlanta is going to generate, I think, a lot more interest in that race than there may have otherwise been. So I, I think it's nothing but a positive, and, and if anything, it's fun. It's going to be cool to see how it plays out. Okay, I would agree. Jay, any follow-up comments there? Just real quick, I mean, with anything, there's always the positives and negatives. You know, we talked about the, the possible uh, interference in both the race and the championship, how that could affect. But overall, I think, again, it's two drivers now. Um, and, and I just think of if Chase comes down there, uh, just taking Atlanta, for example, Chase Elliott comes in, Kyle Busch, and one of these truck series regular is the one to win it, just think of the promotion and what they're going to publicize out of that. Hey, somebody else got 100000 to come and try and beat them. We beat them. So I think that, again, focus more on the positives and I think there are a lot of them like Mike mentioned it's going to bring more eyes to the truck series if nothing else to watch that battle and maybe they will see another driver they like sponsors are going to be like hey you know we need to get involved in this if it's going to get that kind of attention so uh, I think there are several very big positives that can come out of it again if Kyle Busch happens to go through all five of these next or four of these next battles and come out with that hundred thousand it goes to the joy for bundle Bundle for Joy, head that backwards, Bundle for Joy organization that him and his wife have. So I, I think it's pretty much win-win all the way around. Yeah, yeah. I, You know, all I would be doing is timing in and saying the same thing that you guys are saying. Uh, I think it is going to be good all the way around. Um, uh, I, and I, I still think it would be really awesome if a truck series regular beat them all and ended up with a victory against all three of those guys at some point. But uh, I do think the only thing I'll add is that I've always felt that, and Mike uh, agrees with this on the chat room, he's saying that uh, it's the best product of all three series is the truck series. So if we can bring more eyes to it, uh, that's all the better, which I know is what you guys are saying as well. Uh, And I don't know if you guys think it's the best uh, series of the three, but I've kind of felt that way for several years now. Uh, I think it's the most exciting edge of your seat viewing uh, as a race fan of all three series, and and uh, definitely looking forward to see what happens uh, with this uh, bounty on Kyle Busch over the next few weeks. Okay, with that, Andy. Uh, what is your hot topic that you want to talk about here tonight? We do well, have some hot topics in... from our chat room tonight, too, by the way. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm currently not logged in, but um, 
I did want to touch on the early season success from the, the new Chevrolet nose. I know it's early in the year, and I know that we've only run two oh, races, okay. only one of which is a downforce track. But Chevrolet did play six of the top ten in Las Vegas, appeared to be extremely competitive, even with some cars that didn't necessarily finish well. So wondered what your thoughts were on that. I know this may be something that was touched on Monday. I, I did not have a chance to go back and listen to that show yet. But certainly I think that um, at first glance, it would seem Chevrolet is, is much improved from uh, 2019 to 2020. Okay. Jay? Hello, Jay? <laughs> I know sometimes the mute gets uh, on and then you forget to take it off. I don't know if Jay's still with the- us or not. I know, I know Jay's a Mopar guy, but I know he loves his Chevrolet, oh, too, must, so I know he wants He had to hang wants. up and call back in, so let me bring him in the queue here. Okay, Jay. Uh, all right. Okay, there we go. We've got him. Thank you, Thank <laughs> okay, you for Jay. bringing me back in. I don't know if I did that or what, but, yeah, I got disconnected, so. Um, okay. Well, Andy, last week it was Sharon that did this to me. This week you did it. I was going to talk at the end of the show about a possible upcoming article to do, and that was to look at how the Chevys were doing this year, again, <laughs> two races in. Um, I, we got three great minds that are all thinking alike here. So I have some notes already taken for that, and we'll look at it. It's early. One of the races is Daytona. I hate to keep saying that, but it's a fact. Daytona, you can't count as far as outright performance. So with that, So far, the Chevys have certainly looked stronger so far this year. Uh, We see that in the point standings and in the finishes. Uh, I want to give it about six races, and that's when I was looking at doing the article and comparing the results from their first six races of last year with that new ZL1 Camaro. This year with the modification, I believe it's the ZL1E or ZL1LE. So look forward to that. Like I said, I wanted to give it a couple more races. Um, again, as we maybe finish up the West Coast swing, but I see that Chevy has certainly come out the gate stronger than they did last year. Okay. Now, Michael has uh, kind of come in here, uh, and he brings up a good point as well, uh, saying that it's hard to say really conclusively because they certainly look stronger than last year, but uh, his point is that the Toyotas are noticeably weaker so you don't know which one of those factors kind of plays into this. So six races is a fair amount of time to kind of wait this out. Uh, the Z1L, 1LE, same name plate as the previous two seasons, just a sleek new design for those guys, and that's, of course, the Chevy group. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's a little early yet to say conclusively, but out the gate, you, you have to acknowledge that the Chevrolets do look a lot stronger than they have looked uh, the past two years. I think they've really struggled with that uh, ZL1 design. Uh, I think the sleeker design that Matt or, uh, Mike O brings up, I think that that's a good point. I think that's part of the reason why they look a little bit stronger this season. And we'll have to see how it continues to play out. Uh, it'll be interesting. We had the super speedway. We've had the 1.5-mile track. We're headed to the 2-mile track. Uh, so it, it, 
it's going to be interesting to see if we continue to see them do well on that two-mile track at Auto Club Speedway this weekend. I like that we're getting a chance to see them on different tracks uh, right out of the gate uh, for the start of this season. So uh, six races, I think, also is fair because we'll have a chance again to see different tracks and and how how this all works out on these different tracks. Any follow-ups, Andy? Yeah, basically, you know, some some really good points there for sure. Um, I I have to wonder if 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 some of it isn't you know an improvement of Hendrick Motorsports over the off season, and, and maybe some you know catching up to some other teams. You know, I, I I certainly think that's part of it. It seems as if looking at Joe Gibbs racing on Sunday, with the exception of the 19 car, I know this is the Toyota camp. But in terms of them possibly being weaker, they were pretty much irrelevant with the exception of Truex until he hit the wall. And then, you know, conversely, if you look at the Hendrick Motorsports cars, all four of those cars were were in contention uh, and ran up front, uh, which, which tells me that as an organization, they did their homework on this new body and, and came out of the gate strong. Again, it is only one race, and, you know, it remains to be seen if they can sustain that. But, you know, it would... It, it would seem to me that, that all four of those cars really had a, a decent chance at, at contending on Sunday. So, um, you know, and there were some other strong finishes. I realized some of them were, were 100% strategy-related. When you look at the three and the 43, they didn't really run up front all day long but earned a f- decent finishes, which is part of the game, too, um, putting yourself in position like they did. But uh, really, I, I think what stood out to me was, was that – all of the Hendrick cars were, were really fast on, on Sunday and, um, you know, especially the nine car. And, and I think with, specifically with Elliot, he just, you know, continues to get better and better with time. And, and certainly I think that, I think one of our, one of our team members picked him to win this coming Sunday. And I, I, I was actually on the fence about picking him. I, I strongly believe he'll be a factor for the win on Sunday. So, um, yeah, it would certainly seem to me that Hendrick Motorsports, at least at first glance, is one of the more improved teams for 2020, and and I have to believe that um, they'll they'll continue that moving forward. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll have to kind of see. Um, you're right, Andy. It is the Hendrick teams that that have probably uh, made a, a a real splash, if you will, coming into the 2020 season here uh, with the uh, improvement over their previous couple of years. So I, I think we will see them come on even stronger as the season goes on. Uh, but that's a story waiting to be told. And uh, I guess we'll have to tune in to, to see how that story unfolds. Well, I think I, I think I got to pick uh, some other people to hang out with and chat with because y'all are just reading my mind left and right as Mike there in the chat room pretty much gave away what I was playing with with the title of the article talking about that comparison, is it Chevy stronger or Toyota's weaker, which I think there is a case on both sides. So, again, give it a couple of weeks, and I got some stats that I'll be keeping track of and uh, bring that article to you uh, if you don't have it already written for me by that time. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't write your article for you, but uh, <laughs> I think that uh, uh, I do think that uh, it's a good article for us to look forward to. Uh, in 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 the time that you'll be able to get it to us, so definitely looking forward to it. Okay, let's move on to your hot topic, Jay. 
Well, I might as well give away the other one. Let me introduce this one, an article I was looking at and uh, almost have to do now here in this week, and that is um, there's been a lot of steam this week. I know there's already been some talk. There's a number 48 seat going to be open after this year, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of talk this week about Brad Keselowski being in that, almost as if it's already been officially decided. Um, I haven't seen anything from anybody of a reliable source indicating so, but there just seems to be a lot of smoke. And as we always say, where there's smoke, there's fire. So do we see Brad Keselowski in the number 48 next year? Wait a minute. Smoke is Tony. That's right. No, I'm just, I'm just yeah, I gotcha. Uh, just, normally when there's this amount of commotion about something, there's some truth to the rumors. It may not be fully true, but there just seems to be a lot of steam this this past three to four days um, about Brad Keselowski. <laughs> yep. Uh, there has been. Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts there. Here's why this makes a lot of sense. Um, Brad started his career out of JR Motorsports, um, was part of the Hendrick Fold. He, I think, drove a cup car for James Finch, which had some Hendrick affiliation. Um, I Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe Brad ever drove a cup car for Hendrick Motorsports, but he was a Hendrick development driver. And I believe it was said back at the time when he went to Penske that there may be a day when he comes back to Hendrick Motorsports. This is, of course, a long time ago. Um Mm-hmm. Why this move would make a lot of sense to me is you've got um, you, you got Austin Sindrick in, in the in second full Xfinity season who arguably could be ready for a cup car next year. I don't know if you'll see Penske expand from three to four teams. They could certainly, but I think it would almost make more sense if, if Brad did decide to, to go back to, to Hendrick Fold for next year and, and possibly finish his career out as the as the driver of the 48 car, uh, you can see Austin move up and, and fill that void in the two car uh, with Team Penske. So um, it really makes a lot of sense, honestly, uh, when you consider Brad's past. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, when you consider some of the, the issues he's had with his teammates recently and, and a lot of the team and personnel changes, you know, maybe – Maybe it's time to make it change and, and get a, some some new scenery for next year, and maybe a, a place to go finish his career out. So I think that it would be a really big move, certainly in, in terms of silly season. And you know, like we saw last year with a wild and crazy silly season, we could see the same thing this year. And I think we will. I think there's a lot more to come, obviously, as the year goes on. But I think this would be a move that wouldn't necessarily be a huge shock, and it would it would really make a lot of sense uh, in more ways than one. Yeah, I know when we touched on this before, and Mike touches on this as well from the chat room, um, is that it, a lot of people are of the thinking that Hendrick is building a new generation of drivers uh, with guys like Chase Elliott and William Byron and Alex Bowman, and they think that maybe another new driver in that number 48 is what they're looking for. Um, but I think there's, there is the case to be made for all the things that you're talking about, Dandy, in that, uh, you know, they need a veteran in that organization. 
and he has said, I do remember him saying that he wanted to bring Brad Keselowski back to HMS at some point in the future, and uh, this could very well be a time. And Michael brings up some good points as to why this might be a good time uh, to bring uh, uh, Brad Keselowski to that number 48. Uh, there's the whole thing that uh, there seems to be a little bit of a uh, – uh, unhappiness on Brad Keselowski's point apart uh, at being at Penske right now. It doesn't seem like they're quite as tight as they used to be between Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano. And uh, uh, from Brad's perspective anyway, it seems that he has the, the weakest crew chief in the swap uh, between all the crew chiefs. So it's put him in a kind of un, un, unhappy seat at Team Penske. Uh, there's also the fact that, uh, and Michael is bringing this up, that they're taking the Miller Lite is drawing back on their sponsorship dollars. So he's going to have a weaker sponsor at Team Penske. Uh, so moving over to uh, HMS might bring him stronger sponsorship moving forward uh hopefully ally will stay on board that number 48 or i think they've already said uh that they've got a long-term deal with that number 48 so that puts him in a better position from a sponsorship uh perspective and then he also brings up that hms has indicated that he would like to have a veteran driver in that 48 as opposed to having all four cars driven by uh, guys who are going to get carded in victory lane before they hand them the champagne uh, when they win. And one other more point he's bringing up here is the 48 solves all those problems. Brad moves to another championship-level team where he could clearly be in a leadership role. Plus, with Ally on board, I didn't see this before, until at least 2023, it solves the sponsor issues for Brad. So, yeah, yeah all all really good points, I think. So let's do the follow-up, Jay. Well, you all made some great points. And, uh, again, there are some other driver options available that have kind of been floated out there, which I'll cover in the article. So I'll stick to Brad. Um, it is a reasonable, uh, if he is in the, being that he is in a contract year, we've seen some of the things that have happened and kind of get a feel well, for the feeling there. Um, and Quentin, uh, I always get messages from Quentin. He feels like sometimes that BK – uh, Brad Keselowski sometimes plays second fiddle to Logano. Logano winning the most recent championship for um, Team Penske. So Brad being that leader um, to the veteran, uh, veteran leader to the team that Mr. Hendrick, uh, Rick Hendrick is building there with William Byron, Chase Elliott, and Alex Bowman would, would provide that leadership. So I think it would be a good fit if that is his option to leave. Ford and Team Penske, which I'm not 100% sold on. Mike's already naming one of them. That name has come up, Kyle Larson. I'll touch on that in the article. But um, there is very solid reason to believe it could be Brad Keselowski. So we'll have to wait and see. It's interesting that this kind of already started two weeks into a season. Now, that might be the earliest okay. we have seen silly season start. Go ahead. Sorry. I know yeah, we're on the top of the I've hour. I've got to jump in here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. I've, I've got to jump in here. We're, I've got to do our announcement real quick for listeners. We are going to go off the air right at 10.30 p.m. sharp. Uh, but we will continue recording the rest of this conversation, and you'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation on our podcast. I will go out on Twitter 
to let folks know that the podcast is available. So just fast forward up to this, Mark, if you've listened, and you'll be able to hear the rest of it. I'm already off the air. So uh, hopefully everybody knows that spiel uh, that's uh, listening tonight because I did not get it all in. All right. Uh, so uh, a couple of other things here. Yes. Uh, uh, Michael does say that Larson, uh, he doesn't feel, will be in that number 48. Uh, and Gregson is nowhere ready, uh, near ready, to be at a cup ride, and neither is Hemrick. So um, uh, he says, good chatting with you all. And we enjoy chatting uh, with Michael tonight as well via the chat room. And uh, Jay, I want to give you a chance to kind of finish up there. Yeah, I, I pretty much was. I'm sorry. I know, I know I didn't hear when you jumped in or realized that we were c- coming that close to it. Uh, but the um, – and I might as well say it now. Larson, that name keeps coming up. Uh, Noah Gregson, obviously, being with Junior Motorsports is one. And, again, I'll go into all my reasons on those in the article. Uh, again, some positives and some negatives to it. Uh, a couple things that I would keep, think keep him out of the seat more specifically than Brad, why he should go in. So uh, I hope to have that by early next week for the Fan for Racing site here. Okay. Andy, did you have any follow-up? Yeah. Um, I, you know, to touch on Mike's points there, um, you know, he brings up, I think, some good ones regarding Gregson and um, and Daniel Hemrick. I think those two really have to prove themselves this year. Obviously, Noah did come out of the gate with a really big win at Daytona in um, you know a couple of weeks ago, but I think this is a pivotal year in terms of him establishing himself as a championship contender and, and winning races. You know, you can't you can't just win Daytona and, and not have a good rest of the season. He he's going to have to go out and, and win races if he expects to uh, earn a top tier Cup ride. So I agree with Mike in the sense that you know based on his current track record, no, maybe not ready for a cup car yet. But that's why this year is so pivotal because he could go out and win five to to eight races or whatever, and, and maybe his name is in the conversation, you know, for that ride later this season if it hasn't already been filled. And the same can be said for Daniel Hemrick. Obviously he had a lackluster cup season with RCR last year, has had to take that step back to the Xfinity series, but I think he's an extremely talented driver. We all know how well he did in the Xfinity series with RCR a couple, three years ago, but again, went winless driving that car despite being a championship four driver. So that's a pivotal year for him too, in the sense of being able to go out there and, and seal the deal and win some of these races. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of talent in the Xfinity series this year. Um, but, but for some of these drivers, it, it is going to be critical in the sense of, of proving themselves worthy of, of moving on to the cup series next year. So, uh, and that's why Brad Kozlowski right now, I think makes, you know, the most sense, you know, when you look at the age of, of the Hendrick camp with the exception of Johnson, who is retiring, they're all young guys, you know, and, and so for that team to, to input a, a championship veteran driver in Kozlowski, who still has, you know, plenty of time left 
in terms of his driving career, I, I think it would make a ton of sense. So um, it will be interesting to see, but, you know, aside from the Keselowski angle, you know, it is interesting to see some of the JR Motorsports development drivers and, and how they're going to perform. Because I think that, you know, for some of these drivers, it's, and I know it, this is a little off topic, but this is a somewhat critical year in terms of, of some of these guys proving themselves ready to, to take that next step. Absolutely, and I do think, uh, you know, I, I know Mike had to sign off here because we've gone off the air, uh, but I do think that we've had some really, really good interaction tonight uh, through our chat room, and I'm I'm really encouraged by that. He brought up such great points, though, about uh, needing a veteran on that team uh, versus a new driver, and uh, I do think that Brad Keselowski makes all the sense in the world. Uh, those other drivers that were mentioned, uh, I don't think that they're quite ready yet, but I think that that doesn't mean that they won't be in the Cup Series at some point in the future. I think that the door is certainly there for them, but it's up to them uh, to make things happen on the track that puts them in the position to be able to move up to that Cup Series when the time is right. So, uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. And interesting, and uh, again, we have to wait for time to tell us the rest of that story. Uh, but uh, Brad Keselowski is certainly, I think, at the top of the list for for all the reasons that we've brought out here tonight. I'm, I'm okay. just kind of curious, curious as to what brought about that sudden spark of it. You know, like I said, it's been heavy over the past two days. I think we brought it up on Monday night show that he would be a good uh didn't we bring it up in hot topics on Monday night? Well we did we did a little bit as far as we talked about several that were um in contract years and then the fact that as you mentioned the the going back to junior when Brad Keselowski drove to junior motorsports but I mean it has been seriously powered and hit on by by Twitter that like I said over the past 2 days um, almost like I said, like somebody had heard something semi-official or saw a meeting with Hendrick Motorsports or something that just blew it up. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was just us. I think that there were there were other uh, people playing into that uh, conversation. Uh, so definitely going to be <laughs> going to be interesting, Andy. Yeah, it is interesting how some of these uh, stories and rumors get started. But one thing I've learned in, in my time watching the sport is um, if you see a persistent rumor over and over again, it, it's probably true. Uh, you know, it just hasn't been made official yet. So uh, clearly there's possibly something to this. Um, but it just it just makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure why it makes a lot of sense, but it just does um, when you look at, you know, what they could do with a with a veteran championship veteran driver like that. So I'm certainly intrigued to see what they come out with and, and what they, they wind up doing in terms of the future of the 48 car. But I think that the 48 cars vacancy would have to be the most high profile one for this year. And, and I think that while we're very early in the season and, and the focus right now is just on these races every week, which I kind of enjoy this. I, I, I like this part of the year in the sense that we don't really talk about silly season much, but at the same time in the back of everyone's mind has to be who's going to drive that 48 car next year. I, I know it certainly, you know, has to be on all of our minds, 
So until they announce who it is, it's going to be a a topic of debate, I think every week. And, um, you know, I just, I just tend to think that looking at, uh, at where Brad is in his career, you know, certainly had a really, really good one so far with team Penske, you know, he's, he is a champion and he's won a lot of races and he's a, he's a top tier driver. Um, but even, even top tier drivers, you know, run their course with their, with their respective teams after a while and, and make the change. I mean, you can look at, at Kevin Harvick as an example, drove for Richard Childress racing for a very long time, had a lot of success with that team, but made a, made a switch and and his career got even better. So you could almost look at, at a similar move if Brad were to do so, and, and maybe that's how he finishes his, his career out and, and, you know, ends on a high note driving that 48 car. It's, it, it's very plausible. And if they announced it tomorrow, I'm not sure that it would be a huge shock. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go ahead now and let's uh, move on to the next top topic. Uh, and this is a topic that was brought up by Mike on uh, on the uh, Dan Racing chat room here. Uh, and it is between Angela Ruck and uh, Parker Kligerman. A lot of you will remember Angela spun out at oh uh, Las Vegas. In, yeah, and it <laughs> Parker Kligerman posted the video of Angela Ruck spinning on the uh, on that lap during uh, truck qualifying at Las Vegas with a comment that they need to raise the entry criteria for the Major Three NASCAR Series. Angela blows up with uh, kind of an obscenity-heavy reply, claiming to have had a blown tire, despite it being pretty obvious in the video that she did uh, two-to-one shift, a second-to-first shift, and lost control of the truck. Now, the comments were not kind to AR, with many pointing out that her shift issues, as well as posting plenty of pictures of Parker, Cl- Parker Kligerman in Victory Lane. So now, then Angela, I guess, claims that it was her husband who got a hold of her count and made the rude reply to Parker Kligerman. Uh, has seemed about as believable as her blown tire. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on that since he brought this up because this has been kind of a big deal uh, between Parker Kligerman and Angela, and is it something that's going to carry out for the rest of the season? So, uh, Jay, let's start with you on this one. <laughs> okay. Uh, this, this is one I try not to participate in. I've seen a lot of this stuff. Uh, obviously, I am on Twitter and follow things, but I don't get involved in things like this. If a driver says one thing and, you know, fans are saying another, and this will lead to another one I know we can talk about in the Xfinity series. Uh, it's ironic that this one involves uh, only one driver versus two drivers, but... Um, you know, it's one of those, I have my opinion, but I'm not going to express it. Cause again, I don't know. I'm not in the truck. Uh, you can't say, uh, if she says that's what it was, unless you have hard evidence. I mean, it's tough to say otherwise. It really is. Uh, I don't like the, the, the comment of, um, and I'm trying to think, uh, of how far, uh, it was worded of qualifying, um, standard, uh, again, these drivers are trying to learn, you know. I mean, obviously, if they're out there at that level, mm-hmm. I can't do it. You know, I drove in Atlanta Motor Speedway for the Buck, Buck Baker Racing School, and that's about as good as I could do. So I'm not going to question anybody else's talent to be out there. 
Okay. I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, Andy. I kind of got to, I got to kind of take the same approach Jay did there. I mean, I don't drive race cars professionally. I've never driven a race car, so it's it's a hundred percent unfair for me to to criticize. But um, I, I can just say some things of of note. You know, as a race fan, you you tend to notice trends, and you tend to notice, you know, you tend to notice certain things each week, and some drivers are considerably off the pace more than, than other drivers without naming names. Um, this is just, it's, it's a fact. And, you know, and this all goes down to varying levels of talent and, and varying experience levels. Um, you know, I, I look at what Ross Chastain does, Ross Chastain does driving the 40 truck for Nice Motorsports. He, um, was a championship contending driver and won several races in that truck last year and then we've seen other drivers jump in the exact same equipment and run like 28 you know getting lapped every 10 laps without naming names so it just goes to show you that there there's drivers that can get the job done every week and there's drivers that can't get the job done but um that doesn't mean they don't have a right to be out on the racetrack racing is a business and a lot of these drivers are out there to to make an income to make a living you know to to that and and they possibly help bring in sponsorship and and in doing so it can help a race team stay afloat and 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 keep themselves going you know and if that's what's good for that race team and the business side of it then then we need that so um again you know i think that that's that's kind of one of the good things about the sport is is it it is welcoming to to those who you know to to drivers with varying levels of talent and experience and and granted um as a fan i i do sometimes question you know some of the some of the you know the the drivers that are out there but again i it's it's not fair for me to judge because you know i don't know how well i'd do i'd probably spin out and wreck myself you know so i mean you know i don't really it it can't really be critical by any stretch of the means but you know there is definitely a disparity um between those who who go out and contend every week and, and those who don't and um you know i i in parker Kligerman's defense i can see why he said what he said for sure um i can totally understand why he said that but at the same time i you know again every you know these these people got the right to be out there on the racetrack too now if if someone was was constantly causing wrecks and, and was hurting people every week then that that's when you probably need to step in and say you know maybe this isn't for you but um I don't know. I, I, like I said, I can see both sides of the coin, I guess, on this one for sure. Yeah, I, I have to agree with everything that both of you have said. I do think that uh, sometimes we forget. We don't know what it's like to be behind the wheel of a car, and I think you said that, uh, Andy. And so it makes it really hard for us to know exactly what did or didn't happen. Parker Kligerman might have a little more insight to that than what we would have. But here's the other thing, and I'm going to use the Ross Chastain analogy here again. And that is Ross Chastain was driving in, uh, uh, I, I, I hate saying subpar equipment, but lower funded. He, he was driving for a lower funded team for several years. And we knew he was on the track. We knew he was good. But 
we didn't see him running up front until he got in better equipment. As soon as he got in better equipment, he ran a lot better. And that's the other thing that we have to remember here. Angela Rook might not be in the best equipment, so she's not always going to have the best results, and we don't really know what caused her to spin uh, on the track. There could be any number of reasons that could have caused that to happen. But uh, uh, and the other thing that I think is important to remember here is this is the truck series that we're talking about, which is the entry level of NASCAR's top three. So all a lot of the drivers out there on the track, and Jay, I think you brought this up, are learning. They're in that learning curve. Now, Angela's been around a little bit longer than some of them, but she's not racing every single week. So it... Uh, I think you got to cut a little bit of slack here. Uh, and I know Parker, uh, I, I certainly see his point of view to Andy's point, but at the same time, I think uh, it's not really right for him to call her out the way that he did. Uh, I think he maybe could have had a one-on-one conversation with her rather than calling her out in a public way the way he did. So uh, not to say he's, he's not justified in, in what he's thinking or or what he's feeling, but I think it should have been a one-on-one conversation versus uh, calling her out in a public format that way. So those are just some of my thoughts about it. Um, Parker may have a legitimate complaint, and I'm not discounting that at all because uh, uh, I just think he could have handled it a lot uh, better than the way that he did. So let's go to the follow-up round here. Yeah, I, w- I would have to agree with you. You put it very well that if that is the case and he really felt there was something there, the first step should always be that one-on-one conversation, not via social media or a public forum. So I, I think you hit the nail on the head there uh, among how it was handled. Uh, again, I see so many, like I said, the Twitter uh, feuds, if you will, that, that they like to call them, um, that just get out of hand, and, and the point itself kind of gets lost in all of it, you know, Maybe he needs to, to, to go with her and, and take her to a driving school and show her some things if, if something, you know, was done wrong. So I think there is mm-hmm. different ways it could have been handled that would have been a lot more productive, both for her development as well as, again, eyes on the sports. Mm-hmm. Andy? Yeah, I don't really have too much follow-up. Um, I I just have to – you know, kind of stand by what I said earlier and that, you know, everyone's out there with their own agendas and their own purposes. Um, you know, again, varying talent levels, varying experience levels. And, but they've all got the right to be out there. And, and every now and then, you know, even the greatest of greatest drivers make a mistake, you know, whether it be a downshift and they spin or, or whatever. So, um, exactly. you know, and, and on the flip side of the coin, um, you know, I'm just going to be up front and say that this is a little bit critical, I guess, but I'm not sure Parker Kligerman's the the appropriate person <laughs> to be judging other people's talent levels. I'm not really sure what he's done in his career, to be honest. I know that's extremely critical to say, but, you know, I guess my point is, you know, it's it's probably unfair of him to be making those comments is really what it comes down to. Yeah, well, I think it's a good point, Andy, and, 
and uh, you know if Parker feels that he has something, I, I do think that there was a lost opportunity here for him to be a mentor. Um, and I'm afraid that it might also show that he has my maybe a bias uh, to having a female in the sport, uh, and and I would hate for for that to be the case. But he sets himself up for that by the way that he handled it, and so. Uh, Parker probably needs a little bit of mentoring himself before uh, he goes and tries to mentor somebody else, especially the way that he 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 went about this. So, um, you know, Angela, you know, has a right to be there. Uh, she qualified. She was on the track legitimately, and um, I, I think that uh, again, he just could have chose a better way to handle it. Uh, and and we'll have to kind of wait and see if this continues to carry over. Uh, I would like to see him maybe issue an apology, and I don't know if he's already done that or not. Do you guys know if he's done that? I have not seen anything. I, yeah, I haven't seen anything to that effect, no. But uh, I, I think it would be appropriate and uh, maybe even offer some advice to her on a one-on-one basis, but uh, again, I don't know how she's going to take it at this point, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if it continues to play out. Okay, uh, Jay, did you have or did you just you just brought that one up, Jay? No, I brought that Actually, up from the uh, chat room. Right. Um, I mentioned there's another one going on, or possibly going on, as it pertains to the Xfinity series, and this is driver to driver. And there was some visual with this one, oh, yes. Noah Gregston and Myatt Snyder, uh, whether or not yeah. Gregston yeah. turned into to Myatt Snyder and dumped him or if he lost control of the car. Uh, we saw afterwards that, that the, the two came together, talked. That, uh, there wasn't any kind of animosity. Uh, apparently Noah felt like he gave a decent answer, tried to do the fist bump, and they have been overplaying that. But uh, And Myatt Snyder just walked away coincidentally has another ride in another car this weekend, although not driving for Richard Childress, he will be on track. Mm -hmm. And that is one that between two drivers, the possibility of carryover uh, from race to race. Uh, Hate to see something like that continue on track. If one feels that somebody's owed something, but it's always a possibility. Andy. So here's what, unfortunate about this situation. Myatt Snyder is not running a full season. Noah Gregson is running a full season, presumably, you know, trying to go out there, win races, and contend for a championship. I don't know what transpired that led up to the spin, but obviously they they got together and, and Myatt spun, and, you know, based on what I've seen, Myatt felt like he was done wrong, which he was. He got turned and spun out. I don't know how smart it is to engage, you know, in something like that with a driver that's running a partial schedule because, you know, quite honestly, he probably doesn't have a lot to lose and can make Noah's life extremely miserable down the line uh, when it comes to, you know, being in the way or whatever in in terms of racing each other hard and and could be, um, you know, something that rears its ugly head later on in the season when it really matters for Noah. So, uh, again, I – I did not see or have heard what transpired leading up to it, but when you look at the replay, uh, yeah, it 
looks pretty obvious to me what happened there in terms of the 21 getting sent into the infield grass. So um, I guess the only thing that you can really look at it here in the, in terms of, you know, picking and choosing battles. And I'm not sure that was a wise battle to have picked if you're Noah Gregson. So um curious to see, you know, how this will play out. But again, you know, you know, my, it's part time. My, it's not running for a championship. So, um, I'm not sure that he has a lot to lose, whereas Noah Gregson has a lot more to lose, you know. So I don't know how how smart it was for him to to get involved in something like that. Hopefully they figure it out, they move on from it, and, and that's the end of it. But uh, interesting that we're only two races in and we've already got some, um, you know, on-track incidents that have uh, <laughs> potentially led to some hard feelings. Yes, indeed. Uh, with regard to Noah Gregson and Myatt Snyder, uh, you're right, uh, Andy, that uh, it was initiated by Noah Gregson. I think Noah knew uh, that it was his fault, and he went up to Myatt Snyder to apologize, and Myatt wasn't having it. Having it. <laughs> uh, he put up his hand to do a fist bump with him, and Myatt did not return it. And uh, you could tell he was still upset about it. But let's face it, Noah Gregson... Uh, probably could have chose a better time to approach Myatt Snyder, and it probably wasn't the smartest thing for him to do. But i got to say, we've seen veteran drivers approach drivers after a race uh, when it wasn't necessarily the smartest thing to do. So I can't necessarily fault him for that. I think he felt he was doing the right thing uh, by going up and apologizing to Myatt uh, and acknowledging that it was his fault. Uh, but Myatt just wasn't in the mood to hear it at that particular point in time. Um, So we'll see what happens here. I think this is going to be a short-lived thing uh, once those guys kind of get together, Uh, but it may or may not be. So we'll have to kind of wait and see what the rest of the story is on this one too, I guess. Jay, anything more that you want to say there? Well, and we talked about this early on uh, about the the maturity level of Noah Gregson coming out, getting that first mm-hmm. win, obviously going to be in the championship hunt. Um, I see it as twofold, again, whether or not what happened on the track was intentional or um, caused by, by Noah Gregson. The attempting to, if it was an apology, or at least talk it out with Mike Schneider, I didn't see a lot of any big angry hand gestures. It, it was all just talking. But as you said, uh, Maya Schneider obviously didn't buy what Noah was selling and wanted no part of the fist bump. <laughs> so I see some maturity there in trying to handle it, uh, again, man-to-man, if you will. Um, but like Andy said, uh, if it was an intentional thing, that's something that happened previously in the race that we didn't see or he felt it was his turn to pay Maya back, of you know the maturity level of like Andy said, mm. engaging with a part-time driver, a rookie, a younger driver new to the series, you know which he was last year. So uh, kind of see it as half and half as far as the maturity level there. Um, I hope that it is rather short-lived because, like Andy mentioned as well, Noah is going to run for the championship this this year. This is a, a pivotal year for him. Um, that 48 ride possibly looming uh, as he moves up through junior motorsports and becomes a top driver. So uh, this has got to be handled pretty delicately, I think. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, That's a a definite. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's go around the table because we're kind of hit that time of the night where we're going to have to wrap things up here. 
Uh, and Andy, I'm going to start with you. Uh, we've talked a little bit about what to expect here in the next day or so. So, uh, what can we add to that? Yeah, obviously the you know my weekly hot topics um, for a couple different topics will be out, and um, so go ahead and check that out for sure. And then uh, as far as all my racing stuff, it's on Twitter, a lefty fourteen. Okay, Jake. You can follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, but don't try and involve me in any Twitter feuds that are going on. And as far as <laughs> things going on, uh, I got a list of them. Uh, one of them here, uh, real quick, I wanted to give a shout-out. Uh, we heard from him earlier, Quentin Reed, and uh, we know he's got another uh, blog talk radio show, Speedway Anywhere, is uh, sponsoring its first official driver. His grandson, Ian Reed, is going to be in a junior's four-stroke go-kart at Ogilvy Speedway, which happens to be in Minnesota, uh, about 10 miles, 20 miles from my parents' house. So like to see that. Again, passing it on to that next generation. Um, the other thing for me, obviously we talked about articles, and I, like I said, you guys kind of – Got them all written out for me here, what we talked about tonight, but <laughs> two that have been on my mind and uh, pretty much uh, covered here, but going to be a couple weeks, especially on the uh, Chevrolet one. Like I said, two races that are a little early to be doing any kind of uh, projection or finger pointing. I know we talk about points and everything else, so give that one a couple weeks. But uh, like I said, midweek, I hope to have one out on possible selection there for the 48, being that it's kind of out there already, go ahead and talk about it. So hope you get that one done by by early next week. And then outside of that, um, not ready to make any announcement on the Mid-South Big Ten yet. However, there will be one forthcoming, and Andy, it will not be changing names to the Jay Hoosman Cup. So that's still reserved for when I take over NASCAR. <laughs> oh, that's good. At least we know it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, and uh, we had some great articles out this week as well. If fans have not had a chance to take a look at those, uh, it was a very active week at fanforacing.com. Uh, I know that uh, Sam put out his uh, recap on Monday. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, Jay put out an article about the next uh, who's going to be next in the uh, series where names are made. I put out an article. What did I write about? I forgot what I wrote about. Um, you had the Matt DiBenedetto uh, driver profile. Oh, yes. Highlight of the, highlight yes. of the week. In, in focus, in focus. Uh, another new feature go. I'd like to kind of add to the mix here uh, where we focus on a driver, crew member, or somebody in the industry. And Matt DiBenedetto was our first one out. Uh, that was up on Tuesday. Um, and then we had our winners and losers uh, from Owen Stewart, along with his power ranking, was out on Wednesday. And uh, we didn't have anything out there today other than our radio show. Uh, but, uh, of course, the hot topics will be out there tomorrow. And I'm working on uh, maybe another in focus uh, for sometime next week. So uh, definitely looking forward to doing that. I'm not going to give away yet who that might be because it might depend on what happens this weekend at the racetrack. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio on Facebook, 
and uh, definitely looking forward to this weekend of racing. And I'm planning to have the chat room up uh, for both races uh, this weekend. I'm hoping you guys are going to be available to to kind of join us with that. Yeah, Sharon, I can do, I think, like, the first half of the Xfinity race I'll be on and the, the entire Cup race. So I will be somewhat back in action this weekend. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to be out on Saturday. And, again, I don't know yet about Sunday. It would depend on uh, what time I get back into town. Okay. Well, we hope you find at least a little bit of time to get on there. Uh, but uh, that's been a success, I think, our uh, uh, chat room on race day, and uh, we will have that up this weekend for both the Xfinity and the Cup race, so definitely looking forward to that. A shout-out to all of our listeners. We truly appreciate each and everybody uh, who tunes in, whether they're listening to the live broadcast or uh, the podcast afterward. Uh, I was very uh, excited to see the uh, interaction that we had on the uh, race on the um, Fan for Racing Radio Day chat, and uh, be able to kind of give some shout-outs to some of our listeners that way. So uh, we'll look forward to doing that again next week, and hopefully we can kind of keep that going because uh, that was that made it a lot more interesting, I think, tonight. Well, most certainly. Okay, so with that, guys, uh, thanks again to all of our listeners. Thanks to you guys for all that you do. I appreciate all of you at Fan for Racing uh, as part of our crew, and uh, we'll look forward to the race weekend and uh, catching up with everybody on the other side. We'll call that a wrap. Have, Have a good race weekend. Take care, guys. Good night.